everyone. Welcome back to this lesbian ship is intense. I'm Katie. And I'm V. And we are back to talk to you about our favorite show, Warrior Nun. And it is 2023. Happy New Year, everyone. Um, hope you had a happy holiday, whatever you do to celebrate. If you celebrate, hope it was good. I don't know why I acted so shocked. Like, I'm aware that it's 2023, <laughs> but I was not prepared <laughs> for like the like, it's a new year. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes, it is. Did you have a nice holiday, V? Um, yeah, I think that I've maybe mentioned this before. Like, I celebrate Christmas with my friends, so I celebrate it well in advance from actual Christmas Day. So, like, my Christmas is over. Um, New Year's Eve, I spent it with my friends. Um, <laughs> oh, God. Sorry, I wanted to point something out, but it's not gonna be funny to you because you're not on Twitter. <laughs> um, but like, I'm still going to tell you. So um, I spent New Year's <laughs> Eve with my friends, which is really like, which was good. Like we got food, um, we were playing games and shit. I fell asleep because that's who I am. And then I woke up before midnight, watched the ball drop, blah, blah, Then I was charging my phone and it like wouldn't charge unless I was like holding it. So I was like, well, fuck, I'm like stuck here in a corner like a weirdo and I was bored. So I opened up Twitter and a space was happening. I was like, oh, good. Other drunk gays. So I joined a Twitter space. And, like, everyone else is, like, getting ready to pass out. And I was on this space, and there's this one person who just kept singing this one part of the song um, that's in episode eight. Uh, it's, like, I'm not a woman. I'm, I'm a not god. a woman. I'm a god. Yeah. Yes. And so, like, I was taking notes today. And I'm, like, just, like, drinking my drink, watching television, and that song comes on. I just, like, choke, and the drunk memories come back to me of, like, I don't know. It just, like... I guess it made me feel warm to, like, be ringing in the new year with, like, my real friends, but then, like, also ringing it in with, like, Twitter friends, you know? Um, I did mm -hmm. have to end the space, though, when they started singing national anthems, and I was like, everyone's going to wake up. Like, I just need to end this fucking space. Um, so that's my New Year's Eve. <laughs> wow. Sounds like a great time, though. Yeah, how'd you um, spend yours? I had the most delightful December and holidays generally. I got to see so many friends uh, that I don't get to see regularly. So because of that, I was wanted to be like very intentional with my time with them. So I like wasn't on social media at all. And it was like really refreshing and grounding for me as a human being. I feel like sometimes we get so like disconnected with ourselves with mm -hmm. everything going on around us and I sh I've struggled with this my whole fucking life but I guess but like I was really struggling with towards the end of the last year like feeling like who am I like am mm. I still myself am I holding true to my values or am I letting anxiety or depression or the world like change me you know yeah mm -hmm. um and which me is me and all of that and um those issues aren't solved but <laughs> um having like time with people that I feel like cherish me as an individual mm -hmm. was very refreshing for me to start the new year so I'm feeling really good and I'm like okay how do I not because like I don't want to not 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 be online period mm -hmm. because 
it's something that does make me happy like i just like beyond gay tv like i generally enjoy pop culture and think it's funny and enjoyable and stuff yeah so i'm like i want to be like adjacent still and have it and also find a way to maintain my peace you know mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah that is i i saw recently a tweet where it was like a meme and it's just like is your mental health shit or are you just online too often <laughs> you know i don't fucking like, know <laughs> because yeah because i don't know because like i really think about this especially like through fandom and like our podcasts and stuff and like mm-hmm. so we'll just we'll just start talking about this now last episode was our 100th episode and <laughs> I've been talking to V for like a month. Like, okay, what are we going to do for a hundredth episode? It's going to be this week, which got postponed because of the holidays. But because of that, I like planned too far ahead and planned for the episode after to talk about our hundredth episode. (laughs) Well, I feel like normally, you know, our recording is not so consistent. So I think because we have been recording far enough in advance for releases like I think it threw off our brains I mean I wasn't keeping track of our episodes at all but I think maybe that contributed <laughs> to your like being off about when the hundred must have and like everything like I was balancing a lot of schedules like all my friends schedules my work schedule I was squeezing in podcast recordings so I think maybe just too many schedules were on my brain but this is our 101st episode <laughs> and <laughs> our first one for 2023. We have done 100 episodes together. We have been podcasting for four Jesus. and a half, four and a half years together. That's so crazy. That's a thing. I was like, through many ups and downs, I've had many life tragedies in those. <laughs> um years it's like fandom and the people that you can meet from around the world it's like a special gift in this world you know Mm -hmm. too and I don't want to lose that completely you know Mm -hmm. yeah no I very much enjoy having fandom I mean I've said this like a thousand times I actually I would really love to be able to find people in my real life who care as much as I do about the media that I consume but I feel as if though everyone in my real life has a really healthy relationship with television in in the sense that they can really disconnect and even and like I always chalk it up to like being in a minority in so many ways you know queer person of color um, woman you know so but I would say that my friends also have those identities or at least some part of those identities and they don't seem to get as consumed as I do um I mean I could delve into a whole list of reasons that contribute to that but my point being is that I think that fandom is always going to be a necessity for me because I just can't seem to find people that care about what I care about in the same capacity as I can online and that's something that I want and I guess I need yeah I think like I think it's interesting because like I have people that I can talk about this with off and on in my real life. And they are, I have people that are like really interested in film and pop culture and TV that I talk about. But like, I wonder like where my investment delve into fandom, you know? Mm-hmm. But I think everybody has some sort of fandom that they're in. Like, they follow a specific Reddit or mm-hmm. they, you know, are on some sports like, 
uh, fantasy football league. I mean, yeah. like it's all the same type of thing, you know, and I wanted to find my way. I guess with the lesbians, I love lesbian TV, I guess. Like that's where I felt most at home. I enjoyed myself. I think like one of the reasons I like fandom too is it's kind of where I learned to be more comfortable with myself first before I learned to be comfortable with myself in real life. Mm -hmm. Um, and so it's like you're just automatically with a group of people that are going to get you and understand you and like support you for you. And like that automatic connection, like it's mm-hmm. hard to find in the real world, you know? Yeah. <laughs> uh, I was just thinking about how like my standard social media engagement is like I will just plop myself into anything like, hi, stranger that I don't know. I will comment on your tweet. I will quote retweet you. Um, If you want to be friends, talk to me. If not, you can ignore me. And I'm just like that weirdo who just jumps in on other people's conversations. It's a lot easier to do that on Twitter than it is in person. <laughs> For real. Because pl- like people don't feel as bad for ignoring you either, you know, like it's a lot better. <laughs> Did I ever tell you? So like when I moved from the East Coast to the West Coast and I didn't know anybody out there. So I acted like I normally act. So like my previous statement makes it seem as if though I wouldn't jump into other people's conversations, but I absolutely would in real life too because I do. So I will never forget one of the first times I went out in Portland, Oregon to at this bar, there was this girl in, uh, I don't even, it wasn't even a special event, but she just had like a sweater with a cat on it. And I love cats. And so like, I was dancing on the like, you know, on the dance floor. And then I went over to be like, Oh, my God, I love your sweater. And she was like, Oh, thanks. And then she turned around and didn't keep talking to me. And I was like, fuck you. I was so upset. (laughs) I was like, ma'am, that was an invitation of friendship. Why are we not still talking? (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I could also wax on and on about how the past couple of years has really changed how humans even know how to interact with each other and have (laughs) conversations. That's for another day. But it is true. Like, and some people are so different. Like, a lot is cultural. Like, uh, like even just within the United States, like, in what region you live in on how you talk Mm -hmm. to people, you know? So it's, like, it's fucking hard. Phantom has brought me so much joy and connection over the years and we've been a part of many over the past hundred episodes and four and a half years with many fandom ups and downs to talk about that i want to ask you what stands out to you as either like a positive memory like a positive association something that you've learned over these past few years doing the podcast like what's something that stands out to you now reflecting back on 100 episodes hmm <laughs> um <laughs> katie do you have something to go first because my brain is going in directions that i'm like <laughs> no well i have to- I have like my like introspective self thing, which I'll save and I'll think I'm going to start with something that um, just like really stands out to me as one of the most fun times I think I will ever have in fandom, which was when we were doing Holy and Tina and they were up for these like soap opera awards for telenovelas and the fandom voted. So oh, they yeah. won every single category yeah and 
And like the category they did it when we voted for like the actress's brother. Like we swept yep. everything. <laughs> and and we were me, you, and our friend Doc were in like this Twitter group chat streaming the awards ceremony <laughs> illegally in Spanish, which we don't know. <laughs> Watching it and like live tweeting with with everyone. And it was like so much fucking fun like i will never forget how that felt Mm -hmm. well (laughs) this is for some reason this came up recently and this is like one of my funniest memories of fandom okay so i don't remember at what point i don't even know if we had the podcast yet but there was this one day where i was out at a bar (laughs) as I want to do. Um, and I had been drinking and I got on Twitter. And for the life of me, Katie, I do not know how this person came across my page. But somehow I remember <laughs> seeing this girl on Twitter who was, I think, studying engineering and like something else. I can't really remember, but I remember I DM'd her. We weren't mutuals. We didn't have mutuals in common. I just DM'd this person I don't know. And it was like, I'm so proud of you. You know, continue your education. Like, I was so drunk and just DM'd her. And I think that she's, st- I think we started following each other on Twitter. Okay, whatever. Fast forward a little bit. I'm more active on Tumblr at this point in my life. Then maybe we had the podcast. You and I were definitely friends at this point. Um, and I posted on Tumblr one day and I was like, ha ha ha, I'll never forget how I got drunk and DM'd a rando on Twitter to tell her how proud I was of her being like an engineering student, blah, blah, blah. One of my mutuals on Tumblr me- messages me and says, bitch, I'm that girl from Twitter. <laughs> so it turns out that we became friends on Tumblr after I had DM'd her on Twitter without realizing that we were friends. Like, Wow. So then I was like, oh, my God. I was like, I think we follow each other on Twitter and we've never interacted on Twitter because, like, I just DM'd you drunkenly one day. But now right. I know that we're friends on wow. Tumblr and we're that's still friends. Incredible. So that's um, that is one of my favorite, like, and I guess that goes back to the whole, like, c- connections. I would say that, like, probably what I've really enjoyed as of late is, like, um, I don't know that you are. You're not on my Twitter circle because I don't need you to see me thirsting. But, like. Oh my God, I cannot believe a hundred episodes and four and a half years of podcasting doesn't warrant me in your Twitter circle. I feel not like that I, not that I've been on Twitter to see it. So that might be beside the point, but like for real. Katie, I feel like when I thirst on the podcast, I make you uncomfortable. If you saw what I was tweeting, I don't know how you would see me. I number one, don't judge. I just am, um, I'm like all about people thirsting. You thirst away. I just watch my thirsting because I feel weird about how other people perceive it. (laughs) That is why I'm on the Twitter circle thirsting. I'll add you. I'm sorry. (laughs) Um, so that's why I limit what I say on the podcast, but I support sexual freedom (laughs) let your freak flag fly i'm judging you oh god okay well you know what i'll add you to my twitter circle i think that lbr had you on the twitter circle and i was like bitch i don't need katie seeing this shit (laughs) i she tagged me and she was like oh wait till she sees or said something and i was like well what do you think of me (laughs) 
am I'm I feel not like you always redirect and- my thirsting. <laughs> I do because I worry about being perceived by thousands of people. But on a personal level, fuck yeah. Well, going back to this is like what I enjoy. It's like I would say my vacation where I had like a week off basically was spent on Twitter circles just thirsting with friends that I made from like 2016. Like that's just so beautiful to me. Fair enough. I think because I'm like uh, at the holidays, the end of the year, like I have some big like anniversaries coming up. I'm like in a very introspective mode. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have been thinking about like 100 episodes and like what that means, you mm-hmm. know, and um, I think it, it definitely brings perspective. Like when we started this podcast we started it enjoying fandom thinking we never would again because this was after Klexa, right? Mm -hmm. Like we were like, oh, we're never going to fucking do this again. We're not going through this pain and LOL to us because (laughs) it's never stopped. But we found joy again with, with Kadena and we started this podcast and we started this podcast solely because we wanted people to be seen and heard and like, give a voice to characters that we felt weren't appreciated enough or talked about enough even amongst people that watched the same show that we did um and you know didn't value queer characters of color and that sort of thing and i think it's really fucking cool that for a hundred episodes whether it was like five of you listening to our betty episodes because i don't know how well those did even though i love that show or or like a bunch of you that have vibed with us with first kill lately or warrior none lately or like the ogs that have been here with kadena like at a certain point whether we were able to do that consistently for you or not but like at a certain point hopefully people listened to us and felt seen and felt heard and felt like what they loved was important to more people than just them like it was important to the world and when you can connect with people on a larger scale and something that you love feels loved in return that's a really special feeling you know and so i don't know like how we can really compare to some of these commercial sites or these these network shows or like people that you know are much bigger than us but i think i can always feel good about the fact that we are remaining like true to who we are and what we believe in and holding on to that first and foremost with however we operate because that's fucking hard to do in the world Mm -hmm. like i I'm a person with really strong values that holds on to what I believe in a lot. And whether it's like in the political world that we live in or like my world with my job or whatever, like when you constantly run into like these things that are bigger than you that are hard to stop, it can feel very like defeatist and you know, even though sometimes it does feel that way, especially with our shit getting canceled and stuff, I think 
staying true to ourselves and like supporting the things that we love still matters. Yeah. Um, and I was just thinking about how, you know, I, I gather that this is your more introspective, emotional um, fandom or yeah, podcasting fandom thing. Um, I think that I when I come into when I came into wanting to start a podcast, I can't say that that was necessarily a primary motivating factor for me. I don't think that it was I want to provide a space for other people. I, I think that that was very much a secondary because I think that's very intrinsic to who I am as a person. But I think my primary motivator was for me because I'm kind of selfish. Um, I was like, I want the shit that I care about to be talked about right. And I want to advocate for what matters to me. And because I think that like my goals and desires are good, the the nice, you know, secondary consequence of that is that it provides a space for other people, for which I'm very grateful. Um, because I think that that's just very much just it's a part of who I am and how I operate in so many capacity, so many ways of my life, whether I want to or not. Um, and so I think that kind of like my introspective thing is, and we've discussed this a little bit, is how do we further the work that we do? You know, it's still like fun, but like I think that I just come from such a place of like wanting to fight. <laughs> like – I think especially in light of the recent cancellations, I just feel like there's so much more fire that's been building within me um, and has been making me think about what's the next step of how to utilize what voice I have, what platform I have to fight and advocate for myself and thus for a large set of people who also need advocating for. Um, And I don't know what that'll look like. I just know that... It's what I'm here for as we continue to watch and love shows that don't always get the love <laughs> that they deserve. Yeah. And I think that's an interesting point because like I am one to always bring it back to like the space that we've worked to create. And I'm very like, I think because I think about this, like we talked before about how we like you view this as an editor and I view this more as like a producer. So I very much think about like, how we're producing things to be for uh, to be received by other people i guess mm-hmm. um but like at the core of this when it started like i can't deny that it's not selfish and that it's not something that is like truly fucking important to me to share the things that i love and let the things that I love be equally as important you know like we can read you know i could read a fucking vulture review of a show that i love and the gay couple will be like one paragraph you know and in my world like that's all i want to talk about you know like that's all i want to read about like i want to get into the intricacies of that because they're fucking great right and i wasn't getting that and so i got to do that on this podcast and So it did like fulfill that part of me that I'm like really grateful for too. And I just think like in the same notion, I want to make sure that this is something that I can always love and won't get corrupted. And 
that's something that is like scary in the world, whether it's your life, your job, or the podcast. So I just, that's my only vision and my only like foundation is to keep talking about the things that I love and keeping it like a very positive association for me. And it all goes back to that original thing of listening to a podcast and being fucking pissed about how they talk about <laughs> gay characters. And uh, now we're 100 episodes later. God, his spite and pettiness pushed me a long way. <laughs> pettiness, middle of the night, rash decisions, impulsiveness. Mm -hmm. Yes. All led to this moment. <laughs> Oh, and the support from our friends and fandom because <laughs> we didn't know what yeah, the fuck we're I want doing. to like I specifically want to give a shout out to LBR who has supported us the whole time she used to live tweet our podcast episodes to help oh, get us attention remember did. that yes and give she us made quotes. graphics yeah like so we could promo our episodes more and get more attention like she would try to listen to them like right away to do that for us and she's always made our graphics and she's always supported us whether she's been into the same stuff or not and like, what a cool fucking friend we made across the world that has really, like, just out of being a true friend done all this for us. Oh, go fucking cry now. Like, this is the fucking last two episodes of this show. We're talking about a 100th episode. We're talking about, like, our fucking fandom friends. Like, stop. <laughs> I know. So shout out to LBR and shout out, of course, to our podcast advisor and longtime friend, Doc, who just from emotional support alone, rational insight, fandom rage has been along the fucking ride with us. You mentioning Doc like just reminds me of the OGs. And so like it just warms my heart. Yeah, there are several of you that I've talked to. And has been along the way from the beginning. And you know who you are. And you still matter to me a lot um, for being there. And those of you that, like, have quietly supported us along the way, I think about you, too. You're fucking awesome. Because, like, I don't even know that I have that level of commitment. So, like, fuck yes, you rock. Um, and then the people that have just popped in along the way when they found a joint interest, like... That's cool as hell, too. That's what I fucking do. I'm not judging, you know? Like, thanks for being here. So, everybody who's been a part of this for 100 episodes and more, thank you so much. You matter. I love you. Stick around. Who knows what we're going to do next? We really don't know either. <laughs> uh, we don't ever. <laughs> And it's worked for us. Yes, yeah, but we do know what we're going to do next in the immediate. <laughs> yes, ultimately we decided we would just have a little intro about our 100th episode and truly do what we're supposed to do on this podcast and shine light on the shows that we love. So we are going to dedicate our 101st episode <laughs> as our one of celebration and cover the finale of a show that means a lot to us. Warrior Nun. You know, like, it's one of those things where, like, we wanted to be really consistent and get this out. 
right away consistently but then the holidays were like fuck that and I think we were both like okay <laughs> we don't have to like you know we get to stay with it a little bit longer you know <laughs> like you don't necessarily want to rush into the end look I have been depressed for the past two days and I thought that I was depressed because I got yelled at at work <laughs> And because I'm going through withdrawals after my vacation that I can't be on Twitter 24-7 now, which are like all maybe contributing factors. But I think that what I'm really depressed about is the knowledge that we're about to cover this show. Just like emotionally, like I didn't watch the episodes until today because I couldn't get myself to do it. And let's see how this goes. I'm going to be an emotional disaster, I'm certain. But (laughs) yeah, I had a hard time watching these episodes um because uh, there's just so much good in them and mm-hmm. that stings but we'll we'll get into it let's not just let's just this wallow and postpone this any further <laughs> so without further ado we're starting with episode 207 psalms chapter 116 which just like if there are multiple books in the bible and hundreds of chapters <laughs> in each book what the fuck is are people doing when they say the bible is their favorite book like bitch tell me specifics that's too much you're just basically saying that history of the world is my favorite yeah. <laughs> i don't have a favorite thing like fuck that give me I've something never... real I've never met anyone who said the Bible is their favorite book. <laughs> oh my I'm certain God, they I... exist. <laughs> oh yeah, I just had a work event where several people said that their Bible is their favorite book, and <laughs> I mean, it is what it is. I I think people having faith is a beautiful thing, even though I don't have it. But oh, um, um, see, I have. If I stop and I'm I'm good, I can be respectful, but my instinctive reaction is to be very abhorrent. It depends on my environment, to be honest. Mm-hmm. But um, the verse itself says, Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. Which is a really fucking cool title for this episode, I feel. Based off of Adriel's play. Mm-hmm. Based off of Ava and then Rhea and Michael and everything that starts going on in this episode. I really enjoy that title. Read, read, read it to me again, please. Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. Mm. Interesting, because my brain immediately goes, to, it does not make sense if we're thinking about God as a good person. But my immediate thought was, I'm pretty sure 207 is the episode where Beatrice is just like, fuck this shit. <laughs> about god he is and uh, exactly like i just feel like it goes through i think that's a perfect connection though still like i think it goes through so many of the plot lines in this episode so good job um (laughs) it was written by david Hayter and sheila wilson and directed by the one and only simon barry so we pick up with ava and lilith's fight and ava drops through the ceiling of this building crashes through they're like having this very intense fight ava is pleading to lilith like what did adriel do to you 
And Lilith's all like, I'm enlightened now under the god of Edril. And Ava finds out that Adriel's final plague is a burning light for non-believers. Epic phasing battle ensues between Lilith and Ava. Ava's like, your sisters need you. Come back. And Lilith's like, for a world I don't belong in and a god who gave up on me. We were very dramatic. Um... And then it ends with Ava being pushed onto the sword. Lilith threatening to take the halo right through her if she doesn't join. And then Ava phases through the walls and whips a ball chain right in Lilith's face. And ba-bam. This was such a good fight scene. Um, I I also really, really love, I'm going to gift this later, when Ava falls through the ceiling and, like, lands, like, well. You know, like, she doesn't, like, you know, just, like, almost die um i thought that looked really cool i also realized at some point in the rewatch that like lilith's wings um shine blue like divinium again like the whole divinium bone her becoming a tarasque um type thing and i have i have some feelings about oh lilith (laughs) this is my whole roller coaster I have some feelings about this, too, because she's very fucking... She's pissing me the fuck off. Oh, no! Um, <laughs> like, okay, the valid... The, the Lilith stan in me is, like, I understand your feelings. Like, I'm. you want me to now fight for, like, God when I become, like, this kind of demon creature and I have no idea why and all this stuff. Like... Fair enough that Lilith is struggling with her identity and faith. Like, I get that part. But she's such a believer of Adriel. And as far as I know, doesn't have a demon inside of her like (laughs) everyone else. And I just don't get how we go from here to here, you know? Yes. um, I, yes, this is going to come up again repeatedly because exactly. I, I understand that people have crises of faith when sh- shit happens to you, especially when you see yourself as a good person and deserving of, of positivity. And it's just like, I don't understand why I'm being punished, but it is kind of hard for me to believe that Lilith who's been so religious and devout that she's having such a, a huge shift to like being a part of Adriel. And she says to Ava, no more talk, like come, you can finally be yourself. And I thought that was interesting. I was like, what do you mean? We can finally be yourself. Like, who Ava wants to be is free and there is no freedom for her this is where it's like fuck Netflix hours again because if this was like a 10 episode season I just want to believe that there would probably be like a whole episode kind of dedicated to Lilith like -hmm. there was a Mary and Ava episode like maybe there would be a Lilith and Ava episode or something where we would like really see that the turn to Adriel more like I guess we see the struggle and she turns and I needed to see more struggle after she turns but she's always kind of a hard bitch Mm -hmm. so like when she believes in something she's like kind of like that so maybe that's why she's like that now I don't know I would love to pick uh Simon and Lorena's brain about Lilith because I love her and believe in her but I'm struggling with her at the moment (laughs) yeah and I agree with you like she is very singularly focused you know like she's very that's probably nicer than a hard bitch but (laughs) that's what I meant 
<laughs> yeah. Well, I was thinking about the um the parallels where she says like you're gonna join the halo to our side or I will rip it out of you. And I was like, this is exactly when you're trying to rip it out of her for Doretti yeah. and for the OCS. You're just like. I feel kind of frustrated because I'm like, oh, Lilith, like you're still being manipulated and you're still a pawn. It's just a different person's game this time. Um, also, seeing them fight was really cool because they're both phasing yeah. and like how they're still like, you know, two sides, I guess, of the same coin. And Lilith, I guess, has always been like a foil to Ava in the show. Mm-hmm. So now she's like even more of that direct parallel of good versus bad and you know, the the whole, like, opposition thing between the two of them. But I love an anti-hero, and maybe that's a little... I don't know. Moving on, we are back at Jillian's house. Mother Superior is lying on the floor, about to die. And she's questioning her fate before God, because she resented when the Halo rejected her, and she resented Ava for getting the Halo, and... You know, Beatrice is trying to, like, hold on and keep Mother Superior going and and also, like, reassure her and says, God won't look for the medals, but he'll look for your scars instead, which is just very fucking beautiful. Like, I was like, wow, Beatrice, you're spitting poetry in a moment of crisis. And Mother Superior's last words that we hear are, take care of my girls. Is, Is that, like, literally what she said? Okay. All right. Because I wrote look after our girls, but I don't know if I paraphrase. And that's why I was curious. Um, oh, this makes me so emotional, Katie. So fucking emotional. Um, oh, God. Like, I don't even know how to get into this. Like, just the idea of being at someone's side as they pass. Like, and thinking about the emotional strength that you need to drum up in order to be there and be there for them. And not succumb to your own feelings. Um, the fact that Beatrice is facing the loss of someone so significant to her um, in the OCS and her faith and just like human relationships. And as Mother Superior is reflecting on the things that she regrets in life and the things that she's sad about and the things that she's maybe scared about, you know, Beatrice is just there a reassuring person. And like, isn't that like a thing that like historically has been done religiously is like a, a priest will come and read you like the rites like before you you pass yeah. away. And Beatrice is here like offering her all of this comfort and saying, you're gonna be at the gates of heaven and you will be welcomed. Like, do not fear, do not hold on to like these things. Um, you know, like Mother Superior is And also not just like offering assurances, like You'll go to heaven. Like, you can say that to anybody. But, like, genuinely connecting and saying, like, you did good. Mm-hmm. What you did mattered. And because of your heart being true, nothing else matters. And I just think, and then, you know, Mother Superior, pr- like, proves Beatrice right with her last words, which makes the whole thing, like, very beautiful and moving, like, yeah. and their connection in that moment to me. Uh, it definitely felt like something I shouldn't be witnessing. <laughs> oh, my God. I know. It was so emotional. And um, someone had pointed out 
Mother Superior saying that to Beatrice. And I don't remember what specifically they said, if they explicitly stated this or this just kind of led to my own thought of the whole, like, how is Mother Superior identified? Because, like, or, like, um, determined. Because I was really shocked to find out that Mother Superior had been the halo bearer when Shannon was in the OCS. And then, you know, like, I don't know if it went to someone else before it went to Shannon or not, but I'm like, could this be like a Beatrice like you're going to be mothers you know like what is this moment there is something to consider there when with the role that Beatrice fills amongst the team after mother superior so there could be something with that moment um regardless oh go ahead I thought you're moving on to the next thing so I I was I was about to okay so I'm assuming you watched the thirst tweets video with KTY right no are you serious? No. <laughs> I've been scared to watch it. Oh my god, I think it's hilarious. Um so just there's Is it I just get really bad secondhand embarrassment. So I you just might. have it no. You you might. <laughs> but there's there are a couple of tweets that are basically like Beatrice, how rude of you to look so fucking hot as Mother Superior is dying. <laughs> Which I have to agree. Well, honestly, honestly, <laughs> honestly, that is the shit that I kind of fucking love about fandom because, yeah. like, you can't take a one tweet as like someone's full feelings because, mm-hmm. uh, like, a couple of tweets before they're literally like sobbing about the scene. You know, it's like yes. we gotta have both sides of the coin to have some fun here. You know. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I was, I was watching, and I was just like, "How do you look so pretty, crying? Like the like the way the tears are that... eyelashes." I thought that several times about several of the ladies this episode. <laughs> I was like, "God, I guess that's why you're acting, and I'm on the couch, and I'm just um... living my life." If you call it that, <laughs> um, you're you're looking beautiful, and I'm the one appreciating it. And I guess that's how it goes. Um. And then Ava walks in just in time and Beatrice looks over at her and whispers, we did everything we could. And then Ava, you know, starts slowly breaking down and walks towards Mother Superior and falls and like drapes over her body and cries and the halo activates. Which brings Mother Superior back to life, and everybody is shocked as fuck. <laughs> Which, uh, legit. Okay, so when Ava walks in, you see Beatrice look up to her, and you see the slightest little shake of her head, like, no. Yep. And I am just going to constantly sing KTY's praises, like... The way that she brings life to 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 Beatrice, someone who's like more reserved, like all of these like little like micro, um, I was like microaggressions. That's a wrong word. <laughs> micro expressions. <laughs> expressions is right. Correct. <laughs> all these micro expressions, these little movements, these nonverbal behaviors breathe so much life into Beatrice. Oh, yeah. so much life into Beatrice generally, and I would say that's true, especially for like. Some episodes require a more even-keeled Beatrice, uh-huh. but I would say, like, particularly these two episodes, she has nuance in, like, every Beatrice scene, like, uh-huh. regarding Ava, like, there's something underplaying everything that is just so good. 
Yes. So like that just like brings like another layer of devastation where like, you know, like she couldn't even say the words yet. She just had to shake her head for a minute and then she like found her wording. Um, I don't know if you'll know this. Um, I'd have to really pay attention in a rewatch. Um, but does Ava always refer to Mother Superior as mother or has she ever referred to Mother Superior as singularly mother? Because when she calls out to her, she only says mother. And boy, does my heart fucking break thinking about the seven-year-old girl who lost her mother. That's all. <laughs> oh, watching her sob on her body as the halo glows, dude. <laughs> like, it's so much. I... Uh, you just made it worse for me. Because <laughs> no. I don't know if she calls her mother before. She definitely... This season, it definitely seems like she feels very mother. Like her interactions with Mother Superior are very motherly. Yep. Um, like she's daughterly. I guess is the correct way to say that. But um, but I don't know about her specific phrasing. I'd have to look that up. But to add that layer, because it does feel like that's part of it. Mm-hmm. I just I don't know if any if you have. Or if anybody else has, like, actually seen people, like, lay over somebody's dead body and cry before. Mm-hmm. Which I have in my personal life and for my job. And it is, like, one of the most, like, soul-destroying things in the fucking world to witness that and not be able to do anything about it. Oh. And then the halo activating is, like, feels so... And, like, the light is, like, glowing. It's, like, the halo representing, like, this pure human like connection and highlighting its light in the world Mm -hmm. it's really how that it kind of feels like brings mother superior back to life which is just like really fucking beautiful (laughs) and i was just i was i think there was so much going on in that scene that was so well done you know thematically performance wise lighting-wise, direction-wise, everything. And Mother Superior, like, comes back to life. And the way she plays it, where she's just, like, in shock at first, obviously, who would it be? And just laughs joyously. That moment is the first time that I think, like, Mother Superior and Ava understood each other perfectly. Mm -hmm. Because they both died and came back to life because of the halo. Oh, that's so true. Yeah, I hadn't thought about that. Yeah, the way she, like, laughs and when you see, like, moments of Ava throughout season one and even the season where you, like, really get to see her connect with being alive, like, it just felt very reminiscent and, like, very well done by the actress to play into that. It felt intentional for me, so I loved it all. <laughs> oh yes, it it's it's oh if I if I let myself really sit with it, like I'll just sob. It's it's a really good scene. And then Mother Superior is around the table. They're discussing the, the shock of what happened, and she says that you know the halo must still be connected to her, and she's truly like grateful for it. And you feel that as an audience member, like you feel. The way she's feeling, like, it's so special to her to still be connected to the Halo and what mm-hmm. she's dedicated her life to, even though she's no longer the Halo bearer. Um, well, yeah, when she considers that, like, she 
should have been, you know, like had been chosen. And then she feels that it rejected her and said that she wasn't worth, you know, like this is a, oh my God, it's kind of like that representation of like what Beatrice was saying, that whole like, you know, don't think about your resentments. You have these scars, these things that show you've done good and you will be accepted. And here's the halo saying, I accept you. You are worthy. You deserve to live. Like, fuck yeah. And and it shows like worthiness isn't designated by the halo. The halo is a is like a cause. It's not a, a testament of worthiness because it's like you never would say Beatrice isn't worthy. She's a fucking badass warrior nun who would be incredible as a halo bearer, right? But like that's not the role she's meant to fulfill. Mm-hmm. And Mother Superior has now found the role that she's meant to fulfill, you know, and so that's that's just as important and so i love that um and mother superior asks you know that they join together and pray to god for those that they've lost they think they've lost camilla and yasmin at this point and beatrice quickly shuts that shit down and says to hell with that i'm truly grateful you're alive but Adriel is fucking sucking our prayers out of the air who were we even praying to like shit is hitting the fan right now and Beatrice storms out and Ava goes after her. Oh my God. Again, with like the Beatrice shit that I love because when Mother Superior says, let's pray, Beatrice tenses in this very uncomfortable way. And then, you know, like as they continue to talk, she's just like, who the hell are we praying to? And this is like the, like such a big outburst for Beatrice, let's be real. And the fact that Ava- You could never imagine Beatrice from season one doing oh, this. Yeah, no. And then Ava is like, B, like she's shocked. And then when Beatrice runs off, she's like, Beatrice, and she goes off for her. And there's just something so beautiful about that for me where Ava doesn't believe Ava doesn't have faith. Ava doesn't relate to any of this shit. But she knows how foundational that is to Beatrice. Like how much that means to her. That seeing the person she loves most reacting in this way is not okay for her. Because she knows like what it means. And so she has to go after her. And like, oh, that just makes me so emotional for their love. I know this scene I think it's like so important for their relationship because it shows so much about them and it also shows so much about Beatrice and where she's come and how she's come to this like state of mind because she cannot deny now that Mother Superior has died before her and come mm-hmm. to life um, that she couldn't do anything about and you know the disastrous mission before them where she literally saved ava which she believes from dying right she is completely lost like she doesn't know what she believes in she doesn't know what she's fighting for because what she's fighting for is ava and that's not what she was previously fighting for those are two separate things i also love the fact though that even though she's in like this emotional state she's She's always remained, like, the one thing about her that has remained true is she always does what she believes in at that moment. Like, so, whether it's challenging Duretti and going with Vincent or, like, deciding not to pray and speaking her mind in that moment, like, 
it feels true for Beatrice. Just like her emotional engagement with it is different, if that makes sense. Hmm. Yeah, I suppose so. I think that Beatrice is true and strong to how she feels. I think that her expression of that has shifted over time where it's a 100%. lot more um, explosive and a lot more raw and real. And, you know, the whole the fact that Beatrice is like very much like, what's the fucking point? Like, everyone is dying and like mother is only alive because of B- of Ava. Um, but yes, go on. And Ava, in the way she, like, gets Beatrice one-on-one and just softly is like, talk to me. Like, oh, they're just, they're acting together. Their chemistry unmatched. Um, And Beatrice says, you know, like, I lost a crown. I let my emotions get the best of me and failed the mission. And Ava says, you saved me. If I had died, the others might have lived. Like, is that what you're saying? And Beatrice says, maybe I was just delaying the inevitable. And Ava wonders what's going on here because the Beatrice that she knows never gives a pope. But Beatrice pleads with Ava to hide. And Ava's opposed a little bit at first because, you know, that's what she was doing. And then she kind of gives Beatrice a look and switches tones and says, if I left, would you come back with me? You could go to the Alps, the bar, have the regulars. You can teach me how to dance. I can teach you how to drink. And Beatrice just says, no, I can't. Yeah. Okay. So I'm going to get into my emotions here. Um, There you go. Yeah. I, I spent a long time watching the scene and, writing um a twitter thread on it because i'm so fucking emotional about it and so i'm actually going to reference that as my guide because i was like just look at your twitter thread for notes (laughs) um and so when she starts out with like i lost the crown like you see that the the primary emotion like right under the surface is how she is fucked it up like how she ruined everything and tying it to the whole like the emotions because she chose ava over the mission where like she's been taught and trained to like focus on this bigger meaning and suddenly she has something that means more to her than the world and that's like fucking terrifying to love something that much um and then she says like it seems like we're delaying the inevitable I think that it's just Beatrice really reflecting on the fact that like so many people keep getting lost, you know, and they've tried to outsmart Adriel and they haven't been able to do it. And I think that she's just worrying more and more about the fact that like Ava's going to die. And that's why she's like, she says what's most important is to keep the halo out of Adriel's hands. And I think that that's an easy thing for her to say because that focuses on like the mission and the goal and like whatever, whatever. But I think that what it's really speaking to is wanting Ava to be alive. And so it's like run, hide. That's how we'll keep the halo out of Adriel's hands. AKA it's how we're going to keep you alive because I love you. Um, and when when Ava is just like the Beatrice that I know never gives up hope. Like my heart breaks when Beatrice is like, no, she didn't. Like that was before. And I'm like. Beatrice's faith is like been dwindling over time and it's like it's gone like that I was like that girl's dead and gone (laughs) like that Beatrice is gone Mm -hmm. um like 
everything she's held to be true is not true. Like, who the fuck is God? What is up with demons? Who are these divine beings? Adriel is not like some benevolent angel. Like, it's a fucking disaster show here. Um, and okay, <laughs> Katie, I haven't got into this on Twitter, and I'm going to at some point, I'm sure, because. It makes me want to cry so hard. Ava's whole, like, because you know how much she hates hiding. But, like, if Beatrice thinks that that's the only option, if that's the only way to go, like, she'll fucking do it because she loves her. And it fucking kills me when she's saying, like, you know, we could go back to the Alps. We could go back to the bar, to Hans and the regulars. Like, you know, like, she's saying, like, let's go back to this life we've carved out with, with our like for ourselves and like what could our lives be outside of duty and obligation like what love we could have and like what future could we have and it's so heartaching because that's not a future they can have it, uh, no matter how much they hide like they're gonna get like it's the halo like she's gonna be found um She's not as much as she wants to be free. She she I don't think she ever can be, and that just breaks my fucking heart. Um, I do want to say that Beatrice says, "No, I can't. Not I don't wanna because boy does she want to. Damn it." <laughs> oh yes, definitely. I thought you were like correcting it, and I was like, "Oh maybe," but then I realized. No, no. Oh, like she didn't say I don't wanna. <laughs> <laughs> then I what you were because to. she's like, "Damn it, I want to." <laughs> Yes, 100%. I agree with you. Okay, let me dive into my feelings about yeah. it now. Yeah. So, I think this scene is so essential for their relationship, and it shows so much about the intentionality of the storytelling in the show, not only this season, but in multiple seasons and with their characters, because they're showing you how much both characters have grown, and you hate it for both of them. But it's like, so important and integral to them to grow and maybe that's like a nice life lesson for us like even when things are hard like it's important to keep growing and I think that's like kind of really Ava and Beatrice's journeys um in one way but in the scene I feel like Beatrice has been woken up mm -hmm. like she is in that true moment of angst when you don't know what you believe in and the only thing that you truly know is, like, that you love someone and that doesn't feel like enough, you know? So she's in this, like, shocked state almost, I feel like. Like, she doesn't even know what her feelings are almost because she's so shaken by, like, what's been happening. And that's how she gets to the point where all she wants to do is protect Ava, essentially. And she's not even thinking about herself. Like, really, it's, like, only Ava that she wants to protect. Like, not even their relationship. Which is just, like, of course, Beatrice, like, self selfless to the end. And then Ava. I have so many feelings about Ava in the scene, as you can imagine. So, the way she starts, like, pleading to Beatrice, like, on a personal level, like, to talk to her... The way she says it, it's just like, it's just you and me. Like, what's going on? Like, this isn't who we are together. We can do anything together. You know, she's she's pleading for that back because that's what she needs for Beatrice. But this is, I think this is such a, a wake-up call and a way for Ava. Because in the end, like, 
she got what she wanted like she got that like epic love with a person like that she always dreamed of and once she knew what that was like she knew what she was willing to do for that person you know and Mm -hmm. that's like it's almost a bitter truth to face and this is the start of her having to face that i think um and we just get a brief moment of respite where she goes back to that kind of selfishness to like do what she's always wanted right like her talking about going back to the alps and like having this like very settled life that she created with beatrice was something that like season one ava would like jump at the chance for Mm -hmm. right like and she is just doing it for like this last ditch effort you know to like preserve something between them even though she knows what the answer is going to be i feel like you know like because the way she says it it's so well done because there's this feeling of hope it's not necessarily like that she doesn't want that it's that she really does want that she just knows it can't happen you know and it's so bittersweet and like melancholy almost and it's just i i can't say enough words about the two of them and how they played the scene together i think it was very critical for how this episode and the next move forward i think it gives ava's actions and motivations as the hero and protagonist so much weight and i think it's so fucking cool that this show is using that as her motivation and her relationship with beatrice this like something you said about like their dynamic their relationship just reminds me like i think this is why i get a bit frustrated when people don't feel like this is gay enough um because there isn't more like kissing how much more gay can you get than that scene to me i know like that's like what frustrates me because i'm also a person who loves when people are like all over each other making out with each other like you know they're a couple but there is so much intimacy in their relationship and there's so much of them being a couple without like those physical like without kissing and making out and having sex and like like you said like when she says talk to me it's just the two of you know like that is such a girlfriend thing to go do to see your person Mm -hmm. hurting and being like it's me talk to me like open up to me and like again that whole like that pain of like we're in a difficult situation and like will you go with me i'll go to the ends of the earth for you i'll do anything you know like there's just so much intimacy in this fucking conversation that like breaks me in a such a beautiful way. Oh God. So I'm gonna yes, keep complaining about, about that as we go along. Intimacy. <laughs> the intimacy. Lesbian intimacy. Get with it. <laughs> like people talk about like over sexualization, but then like don't appreciate this. And I'm just like, I want fucking both. So sue me. Okay. <laughs> like I can I can I can enjoy all of it. And I just I like <laughs> It just makes me laugh if people complain about this show because of kisses. I was mm-hmm. like, the tension is built in. Like, you've watched a procedural show go on for, like, ten fucking seasons before the people kissed. And we're all about that relationship. Yeah. So, th- this is not good enough? Okay. Anyway, 
we've I've been on that tangent before. We don't need mm-hmm. to go there again. From here, we go to Camilla, who is trapped at the Ark. She's having a conversation with a good old Todd, who I believe it was her flirtatious fella about her being a nun. I believe so, yep. And we learn a little bit about her. So her mother really struggled as a single mother to feed them. So she joined the convent at 15. And Todd goes, oh, so you joined the, the church for, for food. And she says, no, I did it for service. And she found even more in the church. She found love and peace and acceptance. And, of course, ass-kicking. And I loved that little bit that we got to learn about Camilla. I did as well. I, th- I thought that it helped us understand a little bit more about the Camilla who has good heart but is impulsive. You know, like she was our little rookie in season one. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I appreciated the insight into her. I fucking love this girl. And also for someone to have, you know, she seems so young and her youthfulness and naivete, like as part of what makes her very lovable. But moments like this show you, and I think you see it throughout the show, like she's also very wise to the ways of the world. Like if she was aware enough about her family situation to decide to join a convent at the age of 15, like there's a lot more to Camilla than meets the eye, you know? And I just, I loved it. I really did. Um, And then of course, Adriel's people come and stun Camilla and take Todd away. And then we go to a scene with Jillian and Michael and Jillian is confronting him because she watched footage from the uh, fight and she heard Michael say that they'll never get a better chance. And she says, it's right, isn't it? When you saw her, things changed. Michael says he can end it. And Jillian says, which is honestly very fair. Like, I think you've sacrificed enough, haven't you? Like, it doesn't have to be you. And Michael says, we were both pawns in an ancient game. And like, essentially, whether it's fair or not, this is what has to happen. Yeah, so I feel a little bit bad about my notes in this section because I was, you know how I feel about Michael. I don't give a fuck about him, (laughs) you know, and like I do blame Jillian. My note is Michael says, don't blame yourself. And my note is I do. (laughs) It's very unsympathetic. Sorry. You know, I thought about this a lot in this season, like taking notes for their scenes because they're, you know, there's a lot of Jillian and Michael scenes. and. I honestly have such mixed feelings about it because I don't mind the Jillian and Michael stuff from season two that much. Mm. Um, I kind of like it. It's probably the motherly stuff as an adult. Like, I think it resonates with me. But I hated the season <laughs> one Michael and Jillian stuff. And then, like, you know, to jump to this from that, like, it's a bit weird because we haven't seen that relationship develop. And so like I can see like why it's something that people have differing feelings about, but and I do too, because I think I think about it too hard. I'm not sure how I feel about it. I the like storytelling of the show. But do I think like they do a good job with the scenes this season? Yeah, because I buy into them. Yeah, later on, I allow myself to stop being so callous, and and I do feel more. um, But my instinctive was just like, (laughs) I blame you, Jillian. (laughs) Bye. You know, and he says, fair enough. We're both pawns in an ancient game. 
yeah y'all are that's one way to put it for sure (laughs) um and then we see ava sitting at the edge of her bed and her room and she's like caressing beatrice's side of the bed which i believe we have been confirmed was what the intention was yes i believe that we have been confirmed as well and i don't remember where or how or why but i'm very certain it's true and michael comes in and apologizes to ava and ava's like i'm fucking tired of being sorry i want to get rid of adriel's ass and michael is trying to kind of go about this whole bomb blowing up thing and says sometimes death can bring enlightenment and says did raya feed you that fuck the enlightenment of death and she says she's tired of these cosmic beings fucking around with her you know she's saying this doesn't have anything to do with her and michael's like this has everything to do with you the halo saved your life this is your fate you know it's it's really interesting because she's like, look, I might have been dead if I didn't get the halo, but there wouldn't be hell on earth and my friends would be okay. So she really rejects this idea of fate here, which I, I'm really interested in. Um, and she says, death isn't enlightenment. I've been there and it's nothing. But Michael says, what good is living if the world around you is dying? But at this point, Ava is still determined to try to find another way. And she remembers back at the fight that she saw Vincent get away with the halo. I think it's interesting what you said about her dismissing this kind of like bigger purpose where she's like, if I didn't get the halo, like none of this would be there. I think none of this other stuff would have happened. I think that my thoughts were primarily related to the fact that she tends to take on responsibility. I mean, we saw her in season one take on a lot of blame and apologize for things that are not her responsibility. And I think that following that conversation with Beatrice, you know, I think that she's reeling from these emotions of the implications uh, of her having the halo and of being the person who was, you know, quote unquote, naive and manipulated and let Adriel out. And, you know, like, I, I think that she has a lot of self-blame. Um, I did get equally irritated with Michael about his whole, like, death brings enlightenment and um, him trying. To- I fucking love that Ava called him out on that shit. I'm like, fuck you. Like, yeah. It would that shit at the time. Like, that is not what she needs to hear, okay? And I also think it's, like, very interesting in that way because you're right. I think this does come... We have to acknowledge, like, she's thinking about Beatrice right before this scene happens. Mm-hmm. So she's thinking about the cost of the halo here and the implications of her life. And, you know, it's not fucking fair that she is being tossed around by God. You feel powerless and like she has all of this power right through the halo like Mm -hmm. actual physical power in her hands and she's still powerless at the hands of these gods and like i can't imagine the level of frustration that that has to be for her at this moment with how much it is dominating her life in ways that she doesn't necessarily want it to right Oh, yeah. I mean like how fucking aggravating like she's gone from the life that she had before death then coming back and being like fuck yeah i want to live life to accepting that she has to fight for the ocs to having to go into hiding to feel like she's fu- like 
Ava's just been through a fucking lot, man. It's a lot. And I just, I really get aggravated because Michael, I feel like, says all of the wrong things. You know, just like, oh, have enlightenment. Of course this cosmic stuff has everything to do with you. You have the halo. He just makes me so angry. And it really fucking hit me when Ava was like, there's nothing. I've been dead. And I was like, oh, shit, you have been dead. <laughs> like, that was like, ooh. I know. And then the start of with Mother Superior, like, I think all of that has been really intentional about what death brings. Which is obviously a big conversation about religion generally. I think death both drives people away from religion and brings people closer to religion depending on the circumstances, you know? So it's a very interesting thread, I think, throughout this episode. Then Ava, you know, basically goes to find Vincent. We see him limping around, drinking, bleh, I can't stand this motherfucker. So. Oh, hold on. I wanted to point this out where Ava says, I'm taking one last shot, and then it opens up with Vincent having a shot, and I just having like, a uh, shot. <laughs> um, that was cute. Um, yeah, he's basically fucking drinking, limping around. He stops to stare at this Adriel versus is it Adriel versus Ava or is it just Ava? It's um Ava. It says falling angel and it's Ava like coming down from the sky like when she was putting the crown on his head. And then it says last okay. hope on it. He's he's looking at this and when he sticks his arm into the light, it burns, which we know is meant to be a sign of non-believers. So that is the show literally telling us like he has had a full change. And I think that's interesting that it can be proven to us and we still, like, can't stand him. You know what I mean? Like, it's just so much about how you feel about betrayal as mm-hmm. a human. Yeah. Um, I was like, I can acknowledge his change to be true and still say, fuck you, you don't deserve forgiveness. Exactly. It's like, I do believe him, but the betrayal stings, you know? And so it's an interesting point about human emotion, but... Ava comes up and says, last time I saw you, you looked like you had some thinking to do. Um, And this is near the closest bar to Adriel's Cathedral, so I figured I'd find you here. And she wonders why he didn't give the crown to Adriel. And Vincent says, essentially, I was hoping against hope this wouldn't happen. And Ava says, so was I. I don't know. I I guess, like, I just appreciated this happening because... I guess in some way I'm also still kind of confused because for me, I think that Vincent has been losing faith since he met Adriel. I I don't know what the fuck Adriel said to him, but I think that that was like step one. Yeah, I think since like once we rewatched the show, like Mm -hmm. since the the season one finale exactly when he confronted adriel he's he's regretted his decision i agree and i so i think that whatever adriel said in season one was like jarring and was like fuck what did i do and then we start out season two with him drinking and like his drinking is not a drinking of celebration his drinking isn't one of like excitement he is going into drinking because he is struggling and I feel like he's either, you know, like numbing, avoiding, whatever it may be. So the fact that he started drinking since season two opened and then right before this moment, like, I just feel like it's all very indicative of the fact that his faith has not been so strong since Adriel was released and that it, I guess, has dwindled to the point that now he burns in the sun. Yeah, I definitely agree. Like the drinking has also been some a symbol throughout the whole season of his his faith. Like we've been shown basically he's been <laughs> doubting him. 
I liked the com the like kind of this idea of of challenging the challenging of faith and blind faith and the struggle of faith as sometimes mm -hmm. like a hope against hope because I think if you don't have faith and when you have faith like that's kind of the definition is hope against hope like mm -hmm. you don't really know the answers you know yeah um and so I really just like liked that little exchange between Vincent and Ava and I think they like really understood each other even though they're coming from very different perspectives and then we also have Jillian trying to find the Ark she figures out that it's symmetrical and underground under the altar so she's the first one to find out where it is Todd comes back and has been possessed by a demon um maybe there's like a lesson in there on flirting with nuns <laughs> <laughs> um and he grabs camilla um and starts to take her i guess to like their their altar where he got turned or whatever yasmin comes to save the day and shanks todd saves camilla doesn't shank out. she conks him on the head shank is that's a difference. Not at all. <laughs> Same thing. And um, it's like fun because you don't expect Yasmin to do that. But she's been around waiting for her moment to strike because she's a smart bitch. And um, Yasmin and Camilla watch this Adriel chanting baptismal ritual where they're literally putting a demon inside of a baby. Adriel is putting demons inside of babies. Okay, okay. To be fair, <laughs> as I was watching this, I was like, nobody has the ability to see demons but the warrior nun. Who's to say that all religions aren't putting demons and babies unbeknownst to them? <laughs> well, I got a demon inside me. <laughs> maybe that maybe that is all of my problems, the root cause. There's a literal demon inside of me. But I was like, you know, like that's how they show us that um, Adriel is truly evil because they're putting mm -hmm. demons inside of babies. And it's like something I learned in like marketing classes. Like children, if you do stuff to children, you're bad. Like that's mm -hmm. like a universal situation and people care the most about children and yada yada. Which I argue our culture has proven is not true. Mm -hmm. but, that is, <laughs> but that is still a media tactic and that's happening here with Adriel. Yeah. We're meant to see him as a big evil bad here for sure. Yes. And Yasmin is afraid. She wants to leave. But Camilla reminds her that sister warriors don't run. And Yasmin initially is like, I'm not a sister warrior. And Yasmin's like, yeah, you fucking are. You're all I got. <laughs> You're a sister warrior. Yeah, I I love that Camilla says that. And it shows her growth, too, as a character, right? Remember when, like, Beatrice had to be the one reassuring Camilla on a mission. And now Camilla is, like, on her own, staying true. She's a badass bitch. And I love her character journey. Go Camilla. Camilla stands for life. And Ava sneaks Vincent into her room and is like, be careful, bitch. They're going to fucking kill you if they see you. Um, and she questions him and she says, you turned on Adriel. Like, I saw you. Why? And he says the final straw was when he murdered Doretti. And he realized that even though a man can create miracles that doesn't make him god and that was a very hard lesson to learn as a priest and ava's like well we're all learning hard lessons out here i really appreciate how she's just like 
so not compassionate for Vincent because that's me. I'm not. I'm not. I'm just like, oh, oh, it took the propane fried for you to fucking realize some shit that we all saw. Fuck you, you weak ass bitch. <laughs> I mean, like, like I could take the bit, the beginning one, but like the show clearly wants to ha- you to have fucking feelings about him and wants Ava to because when he goes on, he's like, I'm broken body and soul, blah blah blah. Fuck you, bitch. Like, shut the fuck up. Yeah. And she's and Ava is says the same thing. She's like a fucking great asshole. You let the devil out, and now it's my problem. And like, then his response, Katie, where he's just like, technically, you let him out because of you. So technically, you, <laughs> bitch, so you're the one that got this ball in motion. All right, <sighs> and and. Vincent's like, you are meant to get the halo. I believe that now. I'm like, you're sure strong in your beliefs, aren't you, Duretti? And he believes only she can restore the world. And Ava's like, I don't give a fuck what you believe. <laughs> and I just, I just love all of her interactions with Vincent. It's very like spiritual for me <laughs> to watch her just like tell all these men to go fuck themselves. I just love it so much. Yes. And she basically is like, I need to face him alone. If you can give me that, then we can work together. And he says that he fears something in the nature of the crown and that he used to talk to Adriel through his divinium tattoos. So we have the scene where like Adriel is presenting a new Bible to Christian. And that did not look like a thousand books with a hundred something chapters. So we'll see if it can compare to the King James version. But every time I think about like new religions, I'm just like, I don't know. I'm just I I can't. Like if someone presented me like, here's my new religion and here's my Bible, I'd be like, no, like there's no way. How I just don't get it. It doesn't make sense to me. Same. Um and he says <laughs> He's such a fucking douchebag. He says, spread my word and people will be enthralled. (laughs) Um, And then um, Ava is kind of using Vincent's divinium tattoos to get inside of Adriel's head. And Vincent, like, appears as this figure and says that he's seeking salvation. And um, he's like, Vincent is... is bleeding divinium on the other side and ava is in his head and is like literally i guess seeing like his fears about the crown um in that moment i'm not sure like how much inside of his head that they get to see but it seems similar to like how camilla is inside of his head but i don't know if he knows it's ava or if he thinks it's vincent i don't know what he thinks but ava got in there and she was like he scared he fears the crown like there's something about the nature of it and there was something very visually cool about uh vincent's bleeding divinium tattoos yeah. like i thought the imagery was very neat there it just reminded me of the um like the the the, the blood like the blood tears statue thing for catholicism i don't know enough details about it but that's what it was reminiscent of for me yeah we have Camilla calling Mother Superior to let her know that they're alive and they're not leaving because this is a blasphemy squared situation. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, basically, just send help. That's it. Um, Around the troops. We need them. 
And then Beatrice, Michael, and Dora walk in to Ava's room and see her on the bed with the crown on and see Vincent in there. And Beatrice and Michael are ready to kill a bitch. And Vincent says, she did this to herself. She chose this. And Michael, like, looks to Beatrice. Like, this is, like, wifey status. He's like, Beatrice, uh, where do you stand on this? Yeah. Yeah. I loved it because, like, Beatrice, like, effectively, like, commands Michael. Like, they walk in and she's like, Michael, you know, like, to take off the crown. You know? Like, she doesn't move. Like, I don't know. And then she's when... The- She's, like, the boss bitch and the wife bitch in the scene, you know? Yeah, and then when Vincent, like, stops Michael, you know, and then Michael's just like, Beatrice, like, what do I do? And I'm just like, that's right. We all defer to Beatrice when it comes to Ava. Exactly. Um, And then we end the episode with Ava waking up in a dark room to a bunch of tarasks, which feels very hopeful going into the final episode. (laughs) Oh, yes. I actually forgot this is where this episode ended. (laughs) um when i was like watching it i was just like oh my god see every episode makes me want to watch the next one it does it's so good especially these well i can't even say for season two like season one i would say like the last episodes was like bam 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 need to see what happens next Uh um but i kind of feel like all of season two was like that for me like from the get-go so i can't even say like these last episodes it really picks up because (laughs) I felt that way about the whole season. Um, But we have to get into the very good episode eight. I really, really like this episode. And it's called Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 13. Written and directed by Simon Barry. And the verse means, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. Hmm. I feel very apt as well for this episode. Well, it makes it makes me angry. <laughs> <laughs> Why do you feel Why? like it's appropriate? Because I feel like it's meant to give you hope. Like it's supposed to give us hope with Beatrice and Ava at the end because with the sword glowing and Beatrice finally like living true to her heart and living free as she promised Ava, like I think there's something there. I think there's many allegories about like why things work and why things don't along the way, but that's the thing that I hold on to most with that verse. Well, it just makes me angry because my heart was well, I mean Ava's heart is never there with God. But like just like Beatrice has had her heart there with you, motherfucker. Why did you let Ava have to go to the other side? <laughs> Fair enough. I have some very uh, questions about Rhea um, as we move forward, but um, we'll get there. So we enter this episode with we see Ava in bed with the crown on her head, and then we jump back to her with the Tarasks. And she's like, easy boys, I'm not here to fight. And luckily, Rhea appears and commands the Tarasks to stop and let her come on to her and the tarasks fade away raya's light is blinding she realized that the tarasks are gatekeepers and like as she sees raya in her full form she says holy shit and we fade to the credits yeah she says holy shit like three times in increasing intensity 
if if we want to put it in allegory, like if I was to see God, I would probably have a similar reaction. <laughs> yeah, it kind of reminded me of like Christian's uh, reaction to seeing those fucking drawings, which I still don't understand how that like made him feel like it was divinity. But you know, like it's that kind of level of reaction of just like fuck what <laughs> you know. I think Ray is an alien, probably. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, like, I think seeing someone, like, so completely different and powerful um, would probably... I, I could see how that would impact you as a non-religious person. But I'm like, she didn't believe in God. And then sees Raya and is kind of, like, along with her. I'm just like, well, why aren't you questioning her, too? You don't know that she's good, you know? But Because <laughs> she's a woman. <laughs> that would be me. <laughs> I'd be like, oh, you're so well, pretty. <laughs> yeah. But then again, it's like, I don't know. There's something about it. Like, sometimes you have those moments when you interact with people and... It's something that um, Ava and Michael seem to understand with since they both experienced it. So I don't know. Well, but but Lilith received the opposite. So we'll really have to dive into that, I guess, as we move along. But um, then we, we go to Beatrice having Vincent choked out against the wall. Basically like, what the fuck is going on? What are you doing? And he's like, well, she thinks the answer might be in Adriel's realm. That's why she has the crown on. And and Beatrice is just like, so suddenly you want to take Adriel down. Why the fuck do you care now? And Vincent does his fucking soliloquies of his martyrdom about his fucking betrayal. Blah, blah, blah. And Beatrice is like, dude, I don't believe you as far as I could throw you which is like very far so i don't believe you at all and dora seems to think he's being honest but beatrice has a point and she's like okay so so what how does she take the crown off like what are we supposed what's the plan here we've not thinking this all the way through look this is the intensity of my like frustration with vincent because you know he's like oh i'll pay my whole life ava sought me i took the crown for her and i'm just like you should have given it to her then like when you they like in the fucking battle and then when dora says i believe him i was just like well good for you dora like i was just so mad I was like, well, yes, you weren't fucking there for the betrayal, Dora. Yeah. Like, that's not the fucking point, okay? Um, I just loved Beatrice getting that little shove in there. Like, oh, uh, that's another thing that I just felt. I was like, thank you. I just cannot stand Vincent in his level of self-importance. Like, mm-hmm. he was, like, tolerable for me until he betrayed them in season one. But he's, like, so intolerable for me in season two. And Ava rises from the dead on the bed just in time and takes the crown off her own damn head. What do you think about that? Because she's supposed to be incapacitated. Well, I think it just proves, like, we don't actually know what the crown is from and what it does we know it paralyzes adriel and we know he fears it Mm -hmm. but it doesn't i think that means it it doesn't do the same to everyone that's crazy because i feel like seems like that it did it to jesus too like i don't know i'm so curious well maybe they're sending a message about what jesus was like who are we (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> podcast gets canceled for comparing Jesus to Adriel. Breaking news. So when Ava like takes the crown off, Beatrice looks over at her and the way she just like shifts demeanor, tone, everything right away and is like so soft and is just like, Are you all right? And Ava is like, I'm fine. Back to her. They just share such a genuine look of like care and connection where they're like having all of this silent communication going on. The way Beatrice looks at her. Like there's so much said in her eyes. I know. It's so good. Same with Ava in return. Ava almost says what she saw, but decides not to. And says that she knows what she has to do. I'm so bothered. I I want to know what the fuck happened because I'm really scared that she got woo-wooed like Michael and got brainwashed while she was there. She definitely in some ways did. I do think her relationship to Rhea w- would continue to be different than Michael's though. Like I don't ever see her being this like devout warrior in that way. Mm-hmm. So I would have to, I need to give it time to evolve to decide how I feel about Ava and this Rhea situation. And Ava is basically contemplating her interactions with God slash Rhea outside and contemplating her life. And Michael arrives and tells her what she did was brave. And Ava says, I'm a danger to myself and others. And I saw her and I understand now about giving yourself over to the mission completely. So we're clearly seeing, like, she's had the same kind of spiritual interactions with Rhea that Michael Mm -hmm. has, though. That makes her believe, like, what she's doing is for the greater good. Um, But the the way I think it still is slightly different for Ava is that she's still grounded in this reality. Like, she's doing it also for the people that she loves immediately close to her. Not necessarily, like, the greater good of the world, although that's still important to her. So, well, my question in my note is, is this enlightenment or manipulation? Because maybe for Michael, the manipulation that is going to be effective is this idea of enlightenment. Whereas for Ava, the manipulation that's going to be most effective is doing for others that you care and love. And I think that is exactly where this would continue to go. I do. Because... Mm -hmm. I think that's a great point. And I definitely do not think by the way Adriel talks about Rhea, even though I think Adriel is bad, like I cannot believe Rhea is good either. <laughs> you know, they end the conversation with Ava deciding that this will stay between them. Mm-hmm. Um, and she does not want the others to know to protect them. Okay. So these are two like little things about the scene. Um, one, have you seen everyone's theory that that is Beatrice's sweater? Yes, I have, which I was really looking at, and I would believe it. Yeah, I don't know if the proof that has been brought up is correct, but I've decided it's Beatrice's sweater. Like, that's that's all it is for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I looked at the pictures, and I couldn't tell if it was the same one, but I don't care. <laughs> exactly i don't care um like i really think we do get subtle moments of like ava needing to see comfort in beatrice in a way she can't actually see comfort in her so i think it just fucking works so i'm gonna believe it <laughs> yes um and then two is oh i got emotional when i saw this did you see that people pointed out that she was 
they're like she was out there watching the sunrise and it's a parallel to when she and Mary were in that town and the guy was like we come out to watch the sunrise because we did there was a time we didn't know if there would be another and they're like she's really ready to go fucking die and like say you know this is my last sunrise and I was like fuck y'all added a layer of pain to this for me yeah and I think that that's an incredible parallel and very true. Like, I think that is supposed to be part of this. I also think it's supposed to be one of those moments, like, when with, which comes from the conversation with um, Mother Superior later. Like, and I've always loved this about Ava in season one. And I love that they've threaded moments throughout season two of Ava reveling in the joy of being alive. And I think that was a moment of Ava feeling alive, but maybe not reveling in it. You know, like mm, the yeah. weight was still really heavy about what she's about to do and give up, but she's still taking that moment to like be grounded. And I think it was like very well done and nuanced. Yeah. We then go to Ava, Mother Superior, and Jillian briefing the team. They say, you know, Adriel will use prayer to activate the floodgates, open up the yard, bring a bunch of demons to enslave the planet. And, um, of course, what you always say when shit is hitting the fan, we'll use chaos as an advantage. <laughs> All we can do. <laughs> exactly. Um, and Ava says she thought that the halo might be rejecting her, but realized that when she was next to the claw, the cross, it drained all of the power of the halo. So the cross drains her halo. So the number one goal and priority is to knock the cross out of commission so it doesn't interfere with the halo's power, which Beatrice makes sure to emphasize to everyone. We learn that there's going to be three teams when they arrive. One going after the Ark, two going after the cross, and three infiltrating as pilgrims to support the mission. And Ava says, to sum everything up, we find Adriel and fuck up his shit. Yeah. Um, it's really funny because so originally watching this, like I was so confused as to why like Ava's um Halo was like powering down. And now that I've rewatched this enough, like it feels so obvious. But this was the whole like I mentioned it in our first podcast coverage where I was in a watch party and Cap um was like, Oh, this is like what Ari calls the Wi-Fi theory, which is just like that the cross is taking all the prayers and the energy and that's why they hail and like literally like Ava's like the closer I get to the to the cross, like that's when it powers down. Um so it's just so funny how how much that evaded me at first. So do you think so what's this theory? Because I don't think we've actually talked about it in depth. We are waiting for this. So like is it that the cross is also like how it drains prayer it's also draining the halo or because people are pray praying to the cross there's no belief behind the halo like what's the theory exactly so from what i recall because it has been a little while is essentially that the latter of what you're saying is so that you know like the halo was getting like this power you know from faith and religion it's just, it's um i think associated um so God, I, this is why I told Cap to tell me what to say because I didn't want to say it wrong. Um, but I think that it's with Adriel and the cross, it's 
siphoning all of that energy that was originally going all to the halo. And so it's a bigger drain on, you know, the router, like, you know, like the, the, the Wi-Fi. But I could see it in the other way just as much, like where it's that the um, halo is the representation of belief Mm -hmm. and so it drains that Mm -hmm. the cross like drains it just as it would Mm -hmm. a prayer and it's not because of the people's belief it's like where the cross drains the the powered energy from okay yeah um so i like both ideas i think both are good yeah so whatever the actual one is i'm i'm behind you cap (laughs) i think that's a great idea and then Beatrice and Mother Superior share a look at the end. And Beatrice says, she's holding back. And Mother Superior says, she reminds me of Shannon before the end. And at the same time, Mother Superior and B say, better keep an eye on her. <laughs> oh, that was like a cute, like, you know, like little comedic. Like that could be like a romantic comedy kind of statement, you know, like yep. precious. But I, it, it makes my heart ache that like, they see that this is reminding them of Shannon before the end because it's before the end. (laughs) Exactly. And I just, I mean, that kind of, this kind of could play into your thought now about the subtle referencing of like Mother Superior and Beatrice and like passing the torch that they're like on the same page. And then I also think it's just such a great little scene because it does add that level levity and a very intense, heavy episode but it also adds so much character depth and relationship building among all of them. It's and it Ava's, makes you email. It's Ava's mother and her girlfriend who are paying attention to her. <laughs> exactly. That are are the ones that are like, okay, we need to save her from herself here. We go to a scene with Michael and we kind of have an interesting scene parallel here with mother and Jill with mother. We have an interesting mother parallel with Michael and Jillian and then Ava and Mother Superior right after and which both mothers give the child something that they need to be able to to like fulfill the mission, you know, and that's kind of beautiful. And Michael says to Jillian, like, he doesn't remember much from before. It feels like it's been forever for him, even though for Jillian, it's only been a few months. Mm -hmm. Um, But he remembers that Jillian made him a park so he could play in one because he couldn't leave his bubble. And they always made the best of things in the way they could. And that's what he holds on to from his relationship with Jillian. And Jillian wishes she could do that now. And she says that, I know your life was difficult, but I really did love being your mother. And Michael says, the other realm is different. So even if I fail here, I basically might exist there and can't come back. But no matter where I am, I will always love you until the end of time. So this is where I allowed myself to get emotional. And I don't really know what it is that did it for me. Um, I don't know if it's Jillian saying, like, it's only been a couple of months for me. And like just kind of really sitting with like how emotionally devastating it would be. I like I think about fucked up shit like way too often. But like, you know, just like can you imagine loving someone so intensely and they're gone and when they come back, they're essentially a whole other person? Like I think about this, like if people like had amnesia, you know, and had like a whole other fucking life, mm-hmm. like any type of thing like this, like it's just so devastating that 
someone that you love with all of your heart and would want to spend every moment with that you've been robbed of that opportunity. Like that just hurts so much. It's like being robbed of time. Yeah. You know, I think that's like the the greatest agony of all in life um, with the people you love, mm-hmm. no matter what happens, right. Yeah. Is the time that you get with them. And then to literally be, have that stolen from you and put in your face so blatantly, like, I imagine that has to be so difficult for Jillian as a mother. And it's interesting to see, like, the perspective of an adult child that was, like, a chronically or terminally ill child. Like, you get to see with Michael that you don't usually get to see. So I did think it was, like, really beautiful that even though, like, he lived so much of his life without his mother and he's, like, able to give her that like there's something that's kind of beautiful about that for me and you know the strength of a mother's love is always gonna get to me in one way or another so I do I did you know feel the scene between them a little bit but the scene of motherly love that gets to me the most is the next scene (laughs) with Ava and Mother Superior but it starts with Ava writing Beatrice a letter that we will not know the answers to. Oh, man. It seems as if though there's also conflicting reports on the uh, behind the scenes as to whether or not this letter was written, um, if the letter made it to Beatrice or not. Um, but, like, what makes me really emotional, I don't think that I, saw, I thought of this on my own. I'm pretty sure I must have seen someone else's tweet that made me think about it, was that when we compare her writing i want to live oh i know i've like, seen that ugh. i have seen that and that is very pain painful <laughs> painful oh god and i think i saw someone else's tweet that was like going from i want to live to like essentially like i would die for you like <laughs> like that's fucking emotional i want to know what this bitch would have written to beatrice so i can just cry some more oh <sighs> And I think the kind of the message too is like she has lived and she knows what living is because of Beatrice and that's why she's willing to die for her mm-hmm. so that other people can have that too. And wow, that's pretty fucking rough to think about for Ava. But also like I get why we don't see it anymore or we don't see whether Beatrice mm-hmm. gets a letter because that's something you could have for a season three. Like that's a whole plot point. You know what I mean? But I do wonder like what do you think like would Ava leave words of wisdom would she confess like her deepest feelings for Beatrice um would it be a little bit of both like what do you think she would tell her well I'm an angsty hoe so I don't think that she would have written words of wisdom I don't really think that that's like an Ava thing I think that Ava would reflect on what Beatrice has given her in the in the in the in the context of like living a full life like I think she'd reflect on some of their memories you know and I wonder if she would throw in a little pun you know because you know it's their thing now you know I don't know that she would have written I I don't know if she would have written I love you in there you know because like she didn't know what was to come like but I just I think that it would just be like I'm doing this thing effectively talking about how much she cares about Beatrice 
I'm gonna I'm gonna really think about. So this you wonder. Point. So so you think she, so you think she might still be indirect and not directly say like, "I love you, bitch," in her letter. I don't know if she would. I don't. I really don't. I think that's probably what she's debating. Mm-hmm. Like, I wonder if it's different before. Like, I feel like she wrote this letter for Beatrice no matter what. Like, I feel like it was done. Um, even though we didn't see it. So I wonder if her feelings before talking to Mother Superior, like when we see her, is different than after and how she addresses Beatrice now that she like has that moment with her. But I feel like she does confess. Like, I feel like she does tell her that she loves her in the letter. Because I think she, part of her plan, like, she knew she would have to leave Beatrice. Like, I think she always knew she would be saying goodbye to her. Like, she didn't know what would happen after that, but she knew what could happen. And so, like, I think she would want to give Beatrice some other comforts from her that she knew she wouldn't be able to give in that moment of goodbye. Yeah. Yeah. I've been sitting here thinking about it and I'm like, I think she would actually. I do. Um, I think that she would struggle with it, but ultimately do it. Yeah. I think before, like she's struggling on whether she should or not before her mother superior comes in. But after she gets validated in that way, I think she just does it. You know what I mean? I think she's like, I love you. Um, and Mother Supreme comes in with a sword and says this may be the only way to kill him and looks over at Ava and says, are you troubled, my child? And Ava says, I'm overwhelmed with gratitude. Sometimes the simple truth of just being alive moves me. I'm reminding myself what's at stake and what we're all fighting for. And Mother Superior says, this speaks to your worthiness why you were chosen, and why your sisters will follow you anywhere. And Ava says, that's a problem. I don't want them to, to protect them. And Mother Superior says, I made that decision once despite the cost, and I do the same again. And they share this moment of, like, deep understanding with each other. And I just really love this moment of connection where they fully like see each other and Mother Superior fully sees Ava as this halo bearer and this defining person for her belief system and this person she believes in like fully with her whole heart and Ava gets to see that in return and I just uh the scene like Alba when she delivers the lines about how she's overwhelmed with gratitude with the simple joy of being alive like it just cuts me so deep like I feel that so really and feel so connected to Ava as a character and her journey in that scene and kind of what she stands for and represents and it's why I feel like Ava is one of the most incredible protagonists that I've seen in a long fucking time. So anyway, yeah, no, I hear everything that you're saying and I agree with you. Um, And I really enjoy the way that mother superior and Ava's relationship builds and grows because they do have similarities. You know, Um, there are a lot of things that I think that um, tie them together 
what I'm bothered by, probably because I know how this ends, is when Mother Superior says, like, I would do it again. Because I'm thinking, why are you doing that? Like, why not tell her to learn from your lessons? Like, there's so much regret that you have about your own Mother Superior dying at, you know, the as a consequence of your choices and actions. And all I can sit here and think is, what would have happened if Ava had allowed her sisters to know what the real plan was? What would have happened if Ava had had the support of her sisters? Would she have that shrapnel of divinium in her? I don't know. Is it possible that they would have gone into that battle with her and more of them would have died and she would have regretted it? I don't know that either. We'll never know what, you know, what the outcome could have been. But as I sit here thinking about Ava being potentially dead dying on the other side i'm thinking why didn't you learn from your from your mother and oh it makes me sad you know i i really get that perspective and i think the answer is it doesn't matter what you know to be true what matters is like what you care about most and i i don't think it mattered to ava like that she you know, when she lost, like, whether her life mattered or not, like, and the only thing that mattered to her was everyone else surviving, I think it becomes a null point. And I think Mother Superior has been in that position before and felt the same and understands why she's making that decision. Like, I think Mother Superior knows it could be done a different way but that's not necessarily like the way people choose you know mm-hmm. um and it's all about choice and and life and what's more important to you and it's like the representative of there's no right choice it's just the choice you make and you gotta go with it you know yeah i mean yeah, yeah. the it's, toughest it's the toughest lesson in life that you learn you know i think and i still don't think i've learned it because i feel like i have regrets and stuff still but you know like this is the path that you're on and that's just how it is and i think mother superior is giving ava that mm-hmm. um and i think she knows like no one could have talked her out of her own decision making no matter what and what ava needs is someone to understand her in this moment and not challenge her and then ava walks up to beatrice putting a silencer on her gun and beatrice is rocking this bitch face like she (laughs) knows ava is planning some shit and she is not down with the plan and Ava looks at her and says, you've got that look in your eyes. And Beatrice says, what look is that? And she says, that look right before you, Aikido, someone into submission. And Beatrice says, well, better not test me then. <laughs> this is my favorite <laughs> Beatrice scene. <laughs> I fucking love this Beatrice scene, too, because... It's so, like, she's pissed, but, like, it's so layered, Mm -hmm. you know? Uh, And there's just, her face is, like, so dynamic here. You feel all of these different things that she's feeling, and I just love it. I love that she's, like, challenging Like, they both know what the other knows and can't say it, Mm -hmm. you know? They can't acknowledge it, and I love this little dynamic between the two of them here. Yeah. I mean, I love it for what it is within the, like the context of the relationship where like there's this tension because they're going into something like really intense and like, they can't like say things, you know, like 
Beatrice is really struggling with calling Ava out. I mean, pretty plainly because she knows like Ava's got some shit up her sleeves and she's like trying to manage these emotions and it's seeping out in this way that like I personally love Um, because one, I just think it's like, I find it very attractive one. And two, I, I like when people are, I like when your emotions are so strong that you lose some of that like control. Like I just, I just think the human experience is just so beautiful. Like I just, I I think it's really lovely when people are so emotional that they can't be rational. I really do. I get what you're saying. And that's, I think that's why I really enjoy Beatrice and Ava's journey in season two, because it's like, it deals so much with emotion and like, being true to yourself and coming into who you are and coming into who you are is like a really emotional journey um even though i think like emotions are often like tied to other people and shows like i think they really do it in a good individual way for the characters in the show and it's it's like relatable in that way which is why I think people have attached to it so greatly because it's not just it's not just the love story among Ava and Beatrice. I think it's like their character journeys on top of the love story. And I think that like coming of age story that kind of is happening for both of them is very relatable to people. I I love that their emotion is at the forefront here. Mm-hmm. Like when you care about people, sometimes you can't control your emotions. And that's why I love this show. And I love characters that aren't fucking perfect. Because, excuse me, I know I'm not a perfect person. No matter how much therapy I go to and how much I try to be one. I, so I'm also going to tell you this, even though it may give you some of that cringe. Because you haven't watched that um, Thirst Tweets video. I feel as if though this moment in itself bore a lot of the thirst tweets about asking 100%. Beatrice to Aikido no, no, no. As, it, <laughs> as it should. I, you know, I'm not going to say it, but I could come up with many other things too <laughs> from the scene. It's one of those things where like watching it makes me cringe. Like reading the tweets itself mm-hmm. wouldn't. But, like, watching her read them. Oh, my God. Her reactions are so great, Katie. They're so great. (laughs) Okay. I might watch it then. You don't have to. But but she's very comfortable. (laughs) Good. Then I like that. Um, But I fucking love the thirst tweets. Are you kidding me? (laughs) Like, I think it's so fucking funny. And, like, this scene has many different things. If you watch the thirst tweets, I can't wait to tell you which is the one that makes me crack up so hard. I don't want to tell you if if you watch it. <laughs> but I really like I really want to know right now because you okay. hyped it up. <laughs> the one that like gets me so I don't remember the whole tweet, but it's basically like Beatrice, like, come here with that multilingual tongue of yours. <laughs> like, the multilingual oh tongue of God. yours just, like, gets me. I saw me. that one. I saw that one. That one is so fucking funny. Um, if, if you're trying to keep this in the podcast, your mic is everywhere. Okay. I'm sorry. I was living for that joke. <laughs> that one's very funny. I'm just, like, running through my head of different thirst tweets that people can say. So <laughs> I'm going to stop because I could be stuck there a while for the scene. <sighs> um, 
And Mother Superior and Vincent share a quick conversation where Mother Superior is like, I don't trust you, bitch. Um, but I will allow your actions to show for your atonement. So you better bring all my girls home. Mm-hmm. And I actually really love this interaction yes! between Beatrice and Ava, too, where Vincent um, wants to come. Or, well, Vincent is planning to come. And Beatrice is like, I don't want you to come. I don't trust you. And Ava's like, Beatrice, honey, I know that we don't trust him. I don't trust him either. But he knows the cathedral. He can help us get inside. This logically makes sense. Also, you're a nun. You're not supposed to hate people. (laughs) Like, I just really had that, like, dynamic between them here. Yeah. And Beatrice is like, okay, like whatever you say honey <laughs> yeah it's it's another one of my notes it's like uh, a wife fight happening um because i really love it i love when people are protective um so when beatrice like puts her arm out and is like no you're not coming with us and then it, when ava tries to appeal to that or like you know be like be like beatrice you know and again the face like beatrice has this like moment of like like because normally she would cave for Ava you know like she gives Ava I think a lot of what of what she wants um Mm -hmm. and then she's like no like just like that firm no and then Ava is like I'm not going to take no for an answer that dynamic was just so coupley it makes my heart so happy It's so good. And I love they're like having this interaction basically between the two of them, how they know they need to be communicating with the other person Mm -hmm. without a without a regard for Vincent. He's just furniture like they're having this this moment and uh, it's great. And we have the song. I'm not a woman. I'm a god. (laughs) By Halsey that plays for our transition, which I heard, which is like don't ever listen to the radio anymore mm-hmm. and apparently this is like a popular song on the radio but i heard it for the first time on the show yeah probably <laughs> same honestly um so i was like oh i heard this song and i was like "Ooh, i need to know like did this song come out around the time the show came out like how up was the show on this song i have no fucking clue but i love it i love the messaging here <laughs> um and we have Yasmin and Camilla looking over amongst these like people possessed by demons praising Adriel. And God, if this isn't the message of life to me, Yasmin is like, there's so many of them. How are we ever going to make a difference? And Camilla says, all we can do is try. Ain't that the fucking truth? <laughs> like, hashtag save warrior none. Hashtag for all unkind. <laughs> <laughs> Hashtag save warrior none. Um, <laughs> and Vincent sneaks the nuns through and Michael. And his, like, that was so funny when they flashed to Michael yeah. and it's like nothing. I was like, he looks so fucking weird. Um, and they get through easily. Camilla and Yasmin meet up with them. They're like so happy to see each other, which is very cute. We have Camilla giving Vincent a nice stank eye. So I really like that all of them got to have their moment of disdain for Vincent. That's that is another thing that feeds my soul. And um Yasmin, they're you know going through the plan, and Yasmin asks what the plan to get out is. And once she realizes like there is no plan to get out 
Ava gives her the opportunity to leave and says she's done enough. But Yasmin stays true to the sisterhood and wants to stay. So Ava declares her a sister warrior. And they make some jokes about if this is the actual process or not. But Ava's like, well, we don't have time. So praise God and kick some ass. Oh, and Beatrice is like, that is absolutely not the process. And it's with such affection for Ava. Like, oh, even in this moment just love them yeah and it shows because it's like a uh, beatrice is, was very like structured you know about how things were supposed to be done and now she's like really grown to appreciate ava's way as the warrior nun and they all have it's like what mother superior has like it's a moment of them all being willing to to follow ava into battle including yasmin you know and this is a little moment of that um, and then a fight scene commences, which is like a, the start of a bunch of badass fight sequences in this episode. Um, Ava leads away. The team takes everyone down. We have like a really cool shot of B throwing a knife while Ava phases through it um, to kill someone. And uh, Alba did a bunch of these stunts. Like she posted clips and stuff so like wow she's fucking badass but they're all badass this is very cool i really loved when beatrice effectively asks ava to take charge of a fight where she says we need to finish this and then ava tells her cover me and beatrice like grabs the gun and like covers her and i'm just like you know like it's shifted where like beatrice was the one who took charge and like she didn't trust like ava or like ava needed to like you know hide and protect herself like now it's ava taking the lead and there's just something so like almost romantic to me about them going into this Uh together and taking care of each other in this fight and like the trust where like beatrice chucks this thing and then yells phase knowing that like it'll be okay yeah like there's an intimacy level that they're able to have fighting where they just like really know each other and that shows like with how their dynamic has shifted Mm -hmm. it just shows the like faith and belief they have in one another where it's very seamless in a sense where like clearly at the beginning of the season Beatrice was the one Mm -hmm. that was more of the leader um and now Ava has fulfilled kind of her destiny as a warrior nun and she's the leader and beatrice is proud of that and willing to follow her and, and you know yasmin is like admiring yes. ava and beatrice is like yeah she she's is incredible <laughs> <laughs> um and after the fight beatrice always on alert notices that michael's already gone and Ava tries to throw her off and say that he left to find the Ark. And it's all part of the plan. But Beatrice is looking at her like she knows she's hiding something. Oh, my God. I love, again, I love the look, you know, where it's like she knows not to push. Ava's not going to be honest. It's not the time. They don't have time. But she, like, has this little reaction of, like, irritation. And then she looks over at Yasmin and is just like, you're coming with us kind of thing. And it just, it conveys so much. Like, I... I'm going to fucking watch anything KTY is in. Like, I'm fucking obsessed with her as an actor. Yeah, I thought there was so much between the two of them in this dynamic because I really feel like Alba, like, you could tell that Ava was lying, like, the way she played it. and She tried um, to act nonchalant. (laughs) She was trying to act nonchalant, but, like, Ava was trying really hard, you know? Like, it, it felt very true. And... Ava, Beatrice, and Yasmin go to find the Ark, 
and Camilla, Vinza, and Dora show up at the cross. Ava actually ends up leading Beatrice to the glowing cross where Beatrice thinks that Jillian told them is where the Ark will be. They're wondering, you know, why they're there and the Ark isn't there. And Ava is standing before the cross. And all of the all of the shots here, like credit to Simon, the director of this episode, and the cinematographer and the lighting people and everything, because it's incredible. Where she's like standing as this like Christ-like figure before the cross, and you even see the cross reflecting in her eyes. And she turns of this like moment of fulfilling her hero moment. Like this is her hero moment here, where she confesses to Beatrice that she told Jillian to lie and that everything you know things change when you realize that not everything's about you that's the warrior nun's job right they die so everyone can live and Beatrice pleads to her Ava don't and the song hymn for her starts playing Ava says I'm doing this so you can live your life so live it okay and Beatrice struggles and says, I can't, I won't. And Ava reassures her that she can. And Beatrice just like quietly pleads slash cries. It's like, I can't even explain it. It's so good, whatever the emotion is here. And says, I can't. And she tries to put the halo on Ava and we have this like nice little like blocking scene where Ava deflects uh Beatrice's attempt and disarms her and turns it into a kiss and the camera spins around them as Beatrice is shocked and then you see her slowly give into the kiss and they you know both kind of embrace each other more as we move around in a circle and Ava kisses Beatrice's forehead as they look at each other and Ava says as she's crying in the next and phases through the floor and then Beatrice and Yasmin share a look at uh, to each other across the room. Okay, this shit makes me want to cry so hard. I, I actually am crying right now. Um, <laughs> because... You know, we already talked about this once. Yeah. And we, I still have so many fucking feelings about it. Well, okay. So Ava, before she, so she said, like... Things change uh, when you realize, like, not everything's about you. And then she says, I'm sorry, B. And, like, there's just so – there's something about that apology. Like, she's finally embraced the message that a- that Beatrice had touted in season one. But now there's an I'm sorry because now I think that Ava's everything, you know, to Beatrice. And – she doesn't want her to embrace that messaging anymore. And, um, well, it's like it changes everything because, you know, Ava is now Beatrice's everything. Yeah. And Ava knows that, you know, and like they've kind of shifted in perspectives between seasons. And Ava, like, Ava knows how Beatrice feels. Like she's, she's not happy to do this. She just knows that's what has to be done. Yeah. And um, when Beatrice says don't after she said they die so everyone else can live, Beatrice says don't. And I'm just like, don't die. Don't leave me. You know, like just like, you know, what what's the what's the end? Don't of that? period. Don't just don't yeah. like. And that's my love. That's what she's saying, because she's like. 
she's saying no to all of mm-hmm. it. Like, I don't care about the warrior nun. I don't care about your destiny or what I've taught you. Actually, forget everything yeah. I taught you. Like, all I want is you alive. Whether you're with me or not isn't even important, you know? Yeah. Even though that's a major part of it. But it's 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 about, like, Ava yes. as this human yeah. that she loves and adores. And then I really appreciate the um, order of the phrasing. So it's, I won't, I can't. And I appreciate that because, like, I won't is, like, kind of an indignant, like, I refuse. But then to follow that up with an I can't, it's an acknowledgement of I'm not just refusing to refuse. It's I literally cannot do that. What you're asking of me is yep. an impossibility. And that I think hurts. it's a full, it's the first, like the don't is like kind of wanting to defer still, mm-hmm. right? And like not go there. And like this way that they haven't fully recognized their relationship yet. And the I won't is a part of that, is a part of Beatrice's wall still. Mm -hmm. And I can't is like the breaking down of that and the admittance of how important Ava is to her. Yeah. It's devastating that only a couple of words can do that to you. Oh my God. And the way that they're spoken. And then like I just I really do. I I I love the way Beatrice is so shocked and just like Oh, God, maybe I'll take some time to get into this a little bit more about how I do think that Beatrice had an understanding of how much she means to Ava. But I think there's so much caught up in her own history and experiences that the sh- the kiss did still catch her off guard. Oh, there are like a couple of moments of just like, oh, my heart. There's that moment where she has her hand on Ava's head and then it goes off and it looks as if though it wants to like grab her head with more intensity than it does. It ends up landing softly. But even again, with that small movement, it just feels like it shows the intensity of Beatrice's feelings. And then when Ava kisses her forehead, which forehead kisses will always be so fucking intimate in like a i love them yeah it's like it's so intimate in such a caring way like it's just another level so like i loved that like they're both fucking crying making me emotional yeah i just love to like you know you're right beatrice's whole reaction here is like a combination of shock devastation and like to fight to fight for ava right like this is the moment that she knows she needs to do that and ava's is one of like she is heartbroken that she's doing this but she's trying to mask that and be strong for beatrice and also there's one of like understanding of beatrice like she knew this is how beatrice would act she knows beatrice like she knows that Beatrice is going to fight her on this, you know? Um, And so there's a little bit of that that I think is is almost charming her still in this moment, even though she's devastated. Like, I feel like she's still, like, utterly charmed by Beatrice and who she is. And then I think it's just, like, that, like, purity of the love she has for Beatrice that still, like, rings true throughout this. Um, And then you see that resolve, like, falling apart you know as this progresses and as they're both like crying as they kiss and it's like it's just a very beautiful kiss I think you see like the emotion and the tension and the release and tension building again like all happening within the kiss Mm -hmm. and then I love like 
ending kind of on a moment of tension with like the kiss of reassurance on the on the forehead and the farewell because it's like the last it's like the last of what Ava thinks she can give to her you know yeah well what fucking kills me with their like goodbye is they look at each other and Beatrice nods her head like essentially giving Ava permission to leave and go do you know like oh that little nod breaks me down and Ava says in the next and leaves and then Beatrice I like how like she barely too with Ava like she barely finishes the word next as she's facing like if she doesn't leave at that exact moment she will completely lose all of her will like that is like She's like fighting with everything oh. she has to fulfill this mission at this oh, point. Oh, of course. My God. And the way that Yaz and Beatrice look at each other and then Beatrice takes that like deep inhale. Like I am curious where Beatrice's emotional state is at. Like I wonder if it's a little bit of that whole like, ah, I'm being gay in front of someone else or if it's purely like that was a really intimate moment to have in front of someone else, like regardless of the gay. I think they're just purely shocked. Like, the way that both of them look, like, they're shocked in different ways. I'm not really sure what Yad's been shocked about. Like, it might be the gay. <laughs> um, it might be just, like, witnessing such an intimate moment that she wasn't familiar with. Because I don't think she's super familiar with them and their relationship. Mm-hmm. But for Beatrice, like, you know, one could, could think, like, maybe being... I mean, the thing is, you can feel a lot of emotions at once. <laughs> so, like, maybe um, the gay part was there. But I feel like most of it was, like, this very intimate moment that she just shared. And then also, like, it just slips through her fingers. And all she has is Yasmin there to confront what just happened with. Like, it probably all feels like whiplash to her, you know? Mm-hmm. Oh, that was an intense moment. Then we go to fucking Michael. <laughs> I know. And he's like kind of an ass. I know. Like she shows up and Michael says, Nice of you to show up. Um, and Ava like like looks at him and he's like, Are you okay? And she doesn't even speak. Like she really is having a hard time trying to control her motions in the scene at all. And like can't even look at or really talk to Michael. And then Yasmin and Beatrice are kind of discussing what just happened. And Beatrice is like, she's sacrificing herself. And Yasmin is like, uh, we cannot let that happen, right? <laughs> um, so she's a true sister warrior fighting uh, for Ava until the end. And she's earned her stripes. And she, Yasmin, see, it, Beatrice is like, God damn it. Why were you locked up in here and not back when we were planning this? Because I would have found out. Yeah. <laughs> but Yasmin knows that his last cathedral was inverted. So knows that the Ark must be below the cross. And then Ava and Michael are looking um, at each other before they make the plunge down to the Ark. And Ava's like, are you sure you want to do this? We can go back. I, I really enjoy that she says to Michael, like, we could be at the Alps enjoying our lives. Um, and it's similar to, it could be viewed as similar to what she said to Beatrice, you know, about, like, going back to the Alps, blah, blah, blah. But the way that they're said and the meaning behind it and, like, the motivations are so vastly different. I just really enjoy the interactions that we see with Michael right now that 
are in contrast to the way that she interacts with Beatrice because I think like you know so often we watch these interactions between a man and a woman and we think that they're going to be the romantic pairing and getting to see how different that is um because I don't know when this comes up I know it's in I know it's in the scene where they like they descend down and like I really loved the way that they descended because Michael and Ava are side by side like holding arms as they descend versus how Ava regularly holds Beatrice whenever she's doing any kind of halo activity where that's like full on fucking embrace like put your arms all around me like I just really love especially in this scene how they're showing that there are similarities between the actions and engagements that Ava has between Michael and Beatrice and they are starkly different I just like that a hundred percent like and it's very intentional and it has been all along Mm -hmm. like there's been a very interesting parallel where Michael has kind of been shown not to be romantic in the way that Beatrice is. Um, it's like Michael is almost designed to enhance the relationship between Beatrice and Ava. Um, because where Beatrice, like her vision was very romantic. And this one is more of like a, like a question to a friend, right? Yeah. Like, you know, like she knows like Michael was happy to be alive and living in the Alps too. And she's like, you know want to go back to the good times and basically he's like well we won't be having any more good times if everything's gone and so you know it's second chances for the both of them and they take the leap and we have a scene where vincent is trying to distract christian so camilla and dora can plant the little bombs for the cross and they're having a whole question about who's the true believer and blah 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 and I don't really care but the mission is accomplished and the nuns put the bombs on the cross what I don't get is why don't they fucking blow it up straight away why do we why do we have to wait until shit went crazy yeah I wasn't quite sure on that either to be honest um but is it about like the people around but and then at the end they have no option but to just say run and fuck it like that's all they got i don't know um ava and michael are discussing the plan and what they're supposed to do and whether adriel can be killed in this realm and they're hoping that between michael's divinium bomb inside the halo the sword all of these things that are from the different realm together will work and um basically like ava is like okay so we're just uh, betting on faith like that's it like that's all we got but it is and that's what they're going for so they see adriel and michael goes towards him and right away lilith shows up and just stabs michael and grabs ava and i was like well fuck i know that was so crazy i was just like shit they gave him no like 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 his life was so inconsequential just like dead immediately it was crazy I know, like, that's what was fucking crazy about Michael, that he's, like, the first victim, you know? And also, like, they really didn't prep for Lilith at all. Like, and they really should have prepared for her. I don't think they knew that she was with him. Oh, shit, no, yes, they did, because they they fought. (laughs) Yeah. My bad, my bad. (laughs) Like, but... I don't know. If Lilith was a wild card that needed to be prepared for, is all I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. Um, but Angel's like, I've been ahead of you at every turn. Time to give it over. 
and Ava confesses that she's been to the other side and she knows that he stole the halo from Rhea and she has a power that dwarfs his power a power that he can never outrun and Adriel turns on the arc and you know says like imagine what it's like if you're exiled for trying to bring guidance and light into the world while others use your power to create a fucked up religion called Catholicism and it was like how exactly is what you're doing different than that Mm -hmm. and Adriel's like the world is different than you know we're on the same side I see your realm as the place that will prevent the great the next great war and I I don't succeed it's on you to stop her so their little conversations amongst this battle is like really laying some seeds of doubt about Rhea for me and who she is and what she does. Yeah, he refers to her as a devourer of worlds. He says to Ava that they're actually on the same side and that these other people, they, see this world as primitive, but I see it as staging ground. I don't know how much better that is, <laughs> you know, but like... Yeah, like, the thing is, like, we're known, we're meant to believe a- a- Adriel is truly evil, but I do wonder, like, if he like was he created and turned this way because of Rhea's power like that's very possible that he you know got dwarfed along the way and I don't know like uh, there's just so much unknown about Rhea for me that makes it really hard for me to understand what these characters are up to but she's quite the mystery um that's for sure and the sister warriors are fighting for their lives. Beatrice and Yasmin walk up on some guards. And Beatrice says, I got this. And she just starts destroying men systematically to Ava Maria. Um, and Beatrice basically just kills dozens of priests to get to Ava and to be there for her in one of the most badass fight sequences of the show while Yasmin is forced to fight off creepy priests and he taunts her and says Mother Superior is gone and she can't save you this time but she says that's not true she's alive and with me still and that's your femoral artery bitch you're gonna die <laughs> yeah Um. of course I love the way Beatrice takes off her little cloak and it's just like her little speech about like you stand between me and Ava and I love how she says between me and Ava like this is the most like acknowledgement of like Ava being everything to her you know like it's not like you stand between me and like saving the world it's like nah you stand between me and the, my fucking love um, who's trying to kill herself and uh, her whole like I offer mercy I just like I'm like yeah bitch you know how strong you are and you're gonna take them out like and I love that as well um, William creeped me the fuck out when he calls her an unholy bitch after she stabs him it gives me such rapey vibes does it give you rapey vibes I don't know. I don't know what it gives me, but it gives me fucking creeped out vibes. Yeah. Um, it makes me feel like a man so gets rejected. You're valid. Like, you know, grosses me. This motherfucker. I mean, to it's the downfall. You know, when a man faces the downfall of his ego, he's always kind of creepy yeah. and evil. So. And then 
Yeah. So, you know, then Beatrice, like, you know, knocks the shit out of these men, which I've seen people point out that in the past, Beatrice usually knocked people out and now she becomes a lot more lethal um, because, uh, you know, drawing the connection between the intensity of her feelings for Ava. And then, um, you know, poor Yaz, <laughs> you know, um, Beatrice is just like, hey, girl, you did a lot. Just chill. Like, I got to go do this on my own anyways. <laughs> Stay here and recover from your trauma. Yeah, I think. Um... I mean, yeah, I guess that is true about how violent. I think to me, it's like, it's the way she like systematically does it. And I think the way to convey the emotion is with the aggression, I guess, mm -hmm. um, in a way that's different than others. Um, and I just, I talked at length, so I'm not going to do this again here about how much I love like the parallel between Beatrice and Yasmin here. Um, but I do think it was time for them to let Yasmin off the hook. Like, there's only so much she can do. Yeah. Um, and Beatrice goes in alone. And then Adriel is talking about power and power. And you always need more power. And people that crave more power are inherently evil. And that's the important lesson, kids. <laughs> um, and he says... In order to become God, I must imprison God. And we see Rhea captured on the other side by demons um, and is being, like, brought over to our realm. Mm -hmm. And Lilith has Ava in the crown in her grasp, and Ava is pleading to Lilith to help. Uh, Adriel says... I will keep you prisoner to the end of time and use your power to free everyone from your tyranny, Terea. Um, yeah, I was like, what do I even have to say about this? I, I think my primary things are just about him saying, like, to become God, I must imprison God. And I'm just like, okay, so you are you saying that Rhea is God? Um, so she is God? I'm like, exactly. Like, I'm, I'm we're getting mixed messages, like. I for a while I was like, so is there multiple gods? Mm -hmm. Like, is this an alien other dimension situation? But then they talk about Rhea being God, or is Rhea just all powerful and she's not God? Well, especially now know. that I'm thinking about Michael saying like things are different on like on the other side, like essentially saying if I die, I may exist elsewhere. I'm just like, okay, so like reincarnation <laughs> like so like is the other realm heaven like a concept of heaven yeah because i imagine the show would want Rhea to be a god because of all the religious allegory that's going to exist in a show about nuns mm -hmm. um so many fucking questions um and camilla with dora says ava needs us like we have to do something I can use the cross as like this neurotransmitter into Adriel's brain. And so um, through my brain, because I'm connected to him too. And um, Dora says, I'll buy you time and kick some ass. So <laughs> Camilla uses it to get to Adriel and he falls to his knees. Just dismantling the power through the cross seems to wake people up some. But I'm not really sure what it is. Is it just they're broken out of the trance of praying? I, I don't know either because I, I wondered the same thing. Because um, I my note is like, Cam connects to him through the cross. 
Rhea is trying to get back into the Ark, and then the people are freed from their trance, and it causes the Ark to shut down. But I don't know what interrupted their, you know, like, I, I don't know. And um, as he falls to his knees, Lilith goes to him. Rhea tries to crawl back into the Ark. And Lilith tries to go back after Ava, but once Adriel comes back to himself, he says, no, I've been waiting a long time for this. So Ava and Adriel break into this pretty epic fight where at one point Ava phases through him and stabs him. And then um, once she kind of disarms him, Lilith, Lilith jumps in for a little battle and Ava like channels her inner warrior nun and is able to like feel mm -hmm. Beatrice and and feel Beatrice <laughs> feel Lilith and get her um and knock her down and as she's fighting Adriel she's backing up towards Michael and she's trying to you know get him as close as she can and then she powers the halo to ignite the bomb just as Beatrice arrives. <laughs> yes, Beatrice has to witness this fucking shit. Also, can we not get her some fucking armor that would save her from Divinium? <laughs> like, why couldn't we have done something? Like, why didn't we think about that? Because Divinium also killed Shannon, if we recall. Exactly. <laughs> we should have been prepared for lethal Divinium weapons. Okay. Yes. Um, and Beatrice um, runs over to Ava after the explosion and, like, you know, curls her up in her arms and says, let's get you out of here. And Ava just needs to rest. She has all these shrapnels of divinium in her. And then, as we think we might have won the war... <laughs> Adriel starts to come back to life and piece back together and he's laughing maniacally and he says treacherous fool I cannot be killed in this realm and as this happens the other nuns are kicking ass and Camilla actually ignites the bomb on the cross which kicks the halo back to life mm -hmm. do you have anything to say about any of this no I mean okay. epic fight <laughs> Epic fight. Yeah. Boom goes the Ava, <laughs> Ava says, I can't kill you in this realm, but I know what can, and that's semantics, bitch. So she drains the halo of all of its power because what happens when she uses the halo a lot? Tarasks show up. Mm -hmm. Which how often did Tarasks show up when she uses the halo? Like, we should probably talk about that. But they show up here when she needs them. Well, I was thinking about that, too. And I was thinking that in season one, they showed up a lot when she used the halo. Yeah. And I'm guessing in season two, it's because Adriel has been released and been taking so much of that, like, halo energy that, like... And the cross. Exactly. Like, yeah, and it might block it. Mm -hmm. And then now that the cross is exactly. knocked out, they can come. Yes. This makes perfect sense. Okay, yeah. thank you for telling me that. And I guess, like, you know, she she emitted enough energy to call apparently all the fucking Tarasks in town. <laughs> yeah, because um, 
she he says you know they'll kill us all and, and ava goes probably but they'll kill you first and that's yeah the goal i was here. already trying to i was already willing to die okay <laughs> all i need to know is that you're gonna go first and the terras do in fact kill adriel before our eyes it appears um and as this happens we see christian pop back into like reality where he realizes he's been like brainwashed i guess so i don't know if that happens hmm. after if that happened after the cross that was or in my if this happened after he died what was your interpretation my interpretation was that he felt his deity die not like he's been like brought back to reality he's like oh fuck i've been brainwashed it was more like oh no my, my divine being like this like crushing like of 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 you know your concept of the world like if you told me that god died it'd be like what the fuck you mean god could die like that's what i thought it was for him that's also a that might be it i'm gonna have to watch again because that really i interpreted it as the other Mm -hmm. but i think you might be right i need to watch again as the um terrasse have killed adriel they're looking like they might fight Ava, and Rhea commands them to stop. And they disappear, and she dramatically turns and tr- goes to exit through the portal with a head nod towards Ava, understanding and remit to know what their connection is. Okay. And was that a head nod of, like, Ava, come join me on the other mm-hmm. side, or a head nod of... You achieved our mission or like what was it yeah i don't know it was very reminiscent of what had happened in when she had the crown on or yeah the crown of thorns on you know where the tarasks were there um raya called them off um what i'm curious about is a variety of things um why was raya weak as shit while adriel was around like that bitch could not stand up and did not help ava in any way and suddenly adriel's i think that's because of the demons like bringing her over to the other side and also i wonder about her power on earth like what it is on earth okay so okay so that was my thought i was just like was she weak because adriel was there and adriel was consuming all of these prayers to god through the cross and then the cross gets broken adriel gets killed and oh these prayers are released and they're going is adriel would would raya actually have power on earth if they were just believing like praying to god normally like does she get those prayers or and adriel was stealing them (laughs) that made her weak like and that is part of his thing and his it's not only just like against the people but in their like you know stupidity from his point of view mm-hmm. for praying to god. god or is it like i'm gonna steal the shit from raya because i fucking hate that bitch yeah. like yeah. you know so, so that was like my my theory was just like okay so she was weak she couldn't do anything but now she, you know like that's how i rationalized it and then i was like how did the arc reopen and i was like okay well if the prayers are going back to god and god raya can receive them then i guess she can open the arc now that's like the only way i could like rationalize it for myself oh oh yeah I'm confused. And then I saw this in a photo, but I didn't notice it when I was rewatching. Is someone pointed out that there's a scene where Rhea is holding the crown of thorns, but it does not activate. And I missed it in my rewatch. So I'll rewatch it again. <laughs> yeah, I fucking don't. There's so much going on. Mm-hmm. I'm like trying to pay attention to everything. And I, I did laugh. I love that they included this little bit where Beatrice 
sees Raya and is like, "Who's that?" <laughs> and then, but then Ava's, Ava's like, "I don't know. I don't know anything." And collapses. Well, I think nothing went as she mm. planned, and also Adriel, like, because I thought about that too at first. Because like, what do you mean you talked to that bitch? <laughs> no, that's what I was thinking. Are you? Are you? Are you trying not destroy? Trying not to destroy Beatrice's mm. world, like. But I think it's because Adriel told her a lot of stuff, and I don't think she really knows what she believes after how the fight went, the things that Adriel have told her, and what she's seen. Mm-hmm. Like I think she feels torn, and I think that's why she says, "I don't know anything." It collapses, um, and everyone is lifted from Adriel's curse. It seems so, like all the people around him. Like I don't. It doesn't seem like they look like they're like mourning the loss of their god yeah it seems no, they like seem like, like re- released from a trance yeah for sure yeah and then I wonder if um all those people beatrice had in them and christian didn't anyways yeah yeah because i don't think we know if christian had a demon in him or not because he was like a divine believer before that and vincent didn't he talked to him through divinium but he didn't have a demon in him either yeah yeah so Beatrice is, you know, holding Ava on the floor in her lap. And Beatrice is like, let's get you out of here. And says, you know, you can heal. And she's trying to to really, you know, support Ava. And Ava says, not this time. Not this time, B. And she tells Beatrice to take the halo and Beatrice says, no, it's not your time. You're going to make it. And Ava says, why are you always trying to save me? And Lilith intervenes and says, there's one way to heal her and looks at the ark. And Beatrice says, there has to be another way. And Ava looks at Beatrice and says, she's right. You know, she is. Okay. Ugh. such a massive parallel to shannon's death like i feel like i think this is probably one yep. of my first angsty tweets was like when shannon was dying and mary didn't want to give that up and like say goodbye beatrice is just so very solemn and is like she's right like she's going to die like it's time like we need to pass the halo on and now that it's the love of her life in her arms she doesn't want to admit that this is she's not gonna make it and um, that parallel just like oh hits me in the gut, like in the heart, you know. And there's an and this is the moment where Lilith becomes like a more interesting character again to me in this scene, because she intervenes here and gives them an a way for um, Ava to live, right? Because they're kind of in this moment, right, together where they're not, they can't really think it through, and Lilith, Lilith is the one that's like. We can do this. And that's also kind of shows like a growth in Lilith mm-hmm. from Shannon's death, right? Where she was just like, this is the circle of life. This is it. Like, give me the halo. Let's go. And now she's like, well, who cares about the halo? Like, we can send you to the to the other side. I'm really curious. If Lilith had the halo shoved in her back, would it heal all her Taraskiness? <laughs> I'm curious. I fucking wondered about how the halo and the Tarrasque would... I'm like, would the halo, though, even, like, attach to her mm-hmm. with that? Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
you know and honestly the way they're i mean i don't know what else to say because like their faces and their words are just heartbreaking as beatrice is like trying to reassure ava be supportive and also like try to will her to live because she doesn't want to say goodbye and ava is trying to like uh, like she's dying and trying to also be there for like support beatrice and their faces are just like heartbreaking and there's a lot going on but um they bring ava over to the ark and ava looks at beatrice and softly says let me go and beatrice like gives her a little head shake but then like caresses her ava's face and says be free and ava like grabs her hand and like looks at her and says i love you with this like painful look in her face to me painful to me (laughs) look at her face um and says i love you and falls into the portal and beatrice like it's like she's trying to stay engaged with that moment of ava with her as long as she can because like she says i love you right after she's gone Mm -hmm. like she she hasn't grasped fully that she's left yet almost so i love all of the hand contact you know like they're just touching at every point that they can and um i do want to amend so ava says i love you and then beatrice says be free and puts her through the arc um and i think that that's important um yeah her response to i love you i think a lot of people are like why didn't she say i love you too and i think that i don't know i kind of feel like if she had said i love you that that might have been a little bit selfish or painful you know for ava's last words to i i i think i don't think it's intentional about her not telling ava i love her in time i think to her hearing ava say she loves her like the thing that she can give Ava in return, loving her back, is telling her to be free. Exactly. First. Exactly. So, like, I don't, I think that the most Beatrice and rational response to Ava saying, I love you, and like, this is hard, and like, all, like, all of the emotions that Ava is feeling is for Beatrice to give her permission to go, you know, to like, I, I don't want you to go. It's it's the culmination <laughs> of everything. Like Ava is like it, if you put it in context of the story, like Ava is the hero sacrificing everything in this episode, right? And she's doing a lot of it because she loves Beatrice and she wants Beatrice to survive, right? And then like in this moment, it's like a moment of Ava like fully confessing that to Beatrice and telling her she loves her and it's like Beatrice recognizing like yes everything you've done is because you love me like you're suffering and I don't want that anymore like that you being finally free is understanding the character of Ava not only in this episode but the past two seasons and like what she's gone through like Beatrice knows all of that and all she wants is Ava to be free from her suffering. And if that's not love, bitch, I don't know what is. Yeah. And then I think that once Ava, you know, goes through, I think that like 
Beatrice is left with that intense feeling of love and she says, I love you too. And people have pointed out that the arc um, hadn't disconnected completely. So I think people like to believe that Ava heard it. I kind of want to believe it, but I because like, you know, you want that to hold on to like you need it. But <laughs> I'm, I'm not sure either way, but either way. It didn't need to be said. Like, Ava knows. Like, she knows in that moment. Beatrice said, I love you, and every one of her fucking acts for and towards Ava. And that's all that mattered in the end to either of them, you know? And Beatrice breaks down crying, and it's like... But she's, like, shocked. It's like, I love how, how Christina plays it. Like... She's like shocked and devastated in an instant, um, and and like doesn't know how to feel that feeling. And it's such a great portrayal of like a sudden grief. And while she's like trying to figure out how she's feeling, Lilith comes up to her and says, "You did what you had to do. There's a holy war coming. I really hope we end up on the same side." And she displays her for full self, wings out to Beatrice and then disappears and then Beatrice like sinks down and sits on the ark just completely like despondent from everything that's happened to her yeah I'm just irritated with Lilith where I'm just like you hope we're on the same side fucking explain it to me bitch like we're sisters (laughs) like explain this shit to me so we can be on the same side how about that and oh just seeing Beatrice sitting there I also really like the color like I know that there's meaning and shit to the color like the cross is coppery which is almost red and then how it's pointing you know to fuel the arc which is blue like divinium like the color shit like I want another season I want many more seasons so I can understand everything that's intended here but yeah it's it's like really an interesting I feel like the loss of faith like Beatrice's whole world is rocked because this whole season has been like the loss of faith and the belief in Ava and now she's lost both Mm -hmm. you know and so I feel like a season three for Beatrice would just be fucking horrible especially when we talk about the postcard scene like you know where we're gonna like where she leaves off I know and the thing with Lilith here is like I like the stage setting and I like like generally why like that she's saying this because it kind of means like Lilith might not truly be on the wrong side like she was with Adriel but like in the long run she might not be and I like that they haven't committed her to that and I guess like in all fairness like she was part of like the demise of Ava just then so like what else can she really say to Beatrice at that moment um but also like Lilith, I'm having a hard time with you right now. Like, keep it, keep it shut. Yeah. Um, so there's that. But then, like, what a thing with Beatrice. Like, could you imagine if Netflix didn't let Simon do the the like credits <sighs> after? Because if we just ended with Beatrice like that, it would have been it's already like so emotionally devastating. But just to like feel like there's no hope, like that would be horrible. I'm really glad that he fought to have that in there. I don't really understand Netflix's motivation because whether they were planning to cancel the show and it ends with Beatrice devastated or Beatrice walking away, like I feel like both of those are like I don't I I almost feel as if though the post cred scene gives it more of a wrapped up feeling. So I don't yeah, know why they would fight that. 
Same, because I'm like, um, if you leave an audience in complete devastation, mm -hmm. they're gonna want even more because, like, it, like it's very hard to an accept an ending like that. Mm -hmm. Period. Like, in most things, like, even if like bad things happen, they don't end in complete like devastation. You know, um. So I don't get it either, and I'm glad Simon fought for it because he knows what he's doing and what tells a good story. And um, it's really, I think, important to the show um, that we see this. And we come back to the nunnery, and Beatrice is in her, her normal clothes looking over the sword of Divinium, when Mother Superior shows up with Camilla and says the new recruits are in the courtyard for their training session. But Beatrice says, I'm sorry, someone else will have to teach them. And so she, you know, is leaving, it seems, the OCS in her street clothes to go live her life as she's promised Ava. And we see all of our friends along the way as she's leaving. And then we come back to the Divinium Sword that is glowing and it glows when the halo is near so it gives us hope that our hero ava is alive and hopefully back in this realm or about to be back in this realm yes it was very lovely to see beatrice um walking away from the convent and sisterhood and to have such a pleasant demeanor um because oh my god I remember I was like what if Beatrice was paying, praying to Ava you know by being with the sword and being like I can and I or I will I can you know like the like I will go live and like that just makes me really emotional and I think it's especially emotional if we think about like Beatrice entering into sisterhood in an attempt to save her eternal soul because she's gay and she's, you know, a disappointment to her family and all of these things. And she's just trying to find belonging and happiness and safety and all of these things. And she's finally in a place because of the love of Ava that she can walk away from that and have all of those things. Like, you know, like she, she, she doesn't have to be in the convent anymore to be okay um and i think that's really beautiful um and then when the sword lit up i was like where the fuck is ava she must be real close by and i'm really glad for the confirmation we've received that ava's back on earth simon said that like ava's back on earth um at the end of season three when the sword lit up and i'm just like fuck yeah okay i would believe that and i'm glad that it's confirmed because that's what I want to be true. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Simon was like, did people not watch and, the, the like, post like cred scene? He's like, Ava's back. Okay. I'm, I'm glad that was my interpretation of it. Like she's back. Yeah. And I just love the moment with Beatrice so much. Cause it's like you said, like she joined to save her eternal, eternal soul. And I think the messaging is like the only person who gets to say whether your eternal soul should be saved or not is you like you living your life to the best of your abilities you know and being who you are and Beatrice is doing that for Ava because she knows Ava can't do that as far as she's aware and that's what Ava wants her to do um and that's who Ava loved like Beatrice for who she was mm -hmm. And I just really love that message. I love that Beatrice gets to live it. I love that she's melancholy and not, like, defeated. Like, 
I think you can very much feel that she's living in the everyday grief of losing Ava, but we are still like she's a character that's gonna pick up the pieces and move on. And that's like really important for us as an audience who's really connected to her. And I think it just shows like the last scene after Ava, who's our hero, has died in quotations, like is a Beatrice like moving on. And that just shows how much their relationship was such an integral thread in the show and how important it was to Ava and to the mission and to saving the world. And what's that about how gay people are the best? <laughs> like, I don't know. Like, I just, I really loved it. I really loved how they ended it. Even though I'm like really devastated about all of the Beatrice and Ava stuff. I think it was really beautiful. And I liked the final credit sequence a lot. So I think speaking a little bit to like my feelings about how Beatrice walks away. I don't know if I've ever shared this quote with you. I've tweeted about it. It was from a fanfic um, that was probably an AU, but like fucking hits me and makes me think of like, how I feel about Beatrice walking away where it says you joined the OCS to save your eternal soul. And now you're not sure whether it was in contention at all. And I just find that so fucking beautiful. Like, and that's just how I feel like Beatrice is walking away. Like she joined to save her soul. And through Ava, she's learned that her soul wasn't in contention. And, and that's such a beautiful message and that's something that Ava knew all along and that she was able to show Beatrice and I love it. And what and do you want to share since you're quoting it yeah, you know the yeah, name? Yeah, let me pull it back up. Um so it is it's on AO3 by British and Gay and the title of the fic is I should have worshipped her sooner. <sighs> Ain't that the truth? Yeah. Um I we're just stalling as we do yeah when it's the <laughs> end um i was like oh yeah my fight i already bitched what about else this. can we think of to say like can we strum up anything else i mean just like i'm gonna end up i'm gonna end up rewatching and tweeting more things because there's just there really is so much to analyze and love and enjoy about this show um yeah i mean I like truly I just I really am I I don't think I, I've been really sad thinking about us wrapping this up because I know that that means for the podcast we're done talking about it um but that doesn't mean that we have to be done talking about it we're just done talking about it in this platform um because I feel as if though I will continue to talk about it on Twitter for quite a while I am very actively on the like try and save this show front yeah i'm getting like really upset right now i've like i think it's hitting me that the show got canceled like right now <laughs> I, I i think that that's what i anticipate is is that once we were done with this is i would be hit with the reality of there isn't another episode to watch there isn't a hiatus to wait for behind the scenes um you know footage of there is no premiere date that i'm looking forward to like right now it's very much I mean, it just kind of, it just goes back to the whole, like, wanting to be, I, I think it's just that shifting 
goal of ours of wanting to provide a space to talk about important representation to unfortunately the shift in the landscape of media where it feels like we just keep getting canceled and wanting to advocate for the fact that we deserve to be on television and I think that it's particularly devastating for me because with regards to Warrior Nun because I'm thinking if a show that is this beautiful that is this well written that is this beautifully um created with regards to cinematography that's so well received by fans and critics alike if something this amazing can get canceled what fucking hope does anything have and i think that's a terrifying thing to um accept yeah you know and as an introspective person um i think i'm like actually not feeling introspective about my feelings and being like really upset right now like I didn't think I would start crying after I finished talking about it but it's like I think it's just the feeling of like we just did this like we just did this and we're doing it a fucking again and there's not a good reason the reason is an algorithm like fuck that like we're not we're humans are not based around algorithms and machines and creation should not be tied to that and it's just really fucking frustrated and i'm i'm i think i'm like upset over my frustration that this has happened again and you know i don't want to end on that no i think it just all hit me i think the no i want to end on is that i'm so appreciative for the level of effort like this show is not good because of money. Like, mm-hmm. I just fucking watched Avatar, which <laughs> I went in with no expectations, okay? Hoping that I would like it because I liked the first one and I didn't read anything about it and I fucking hated it. I mean, hate is a strong word. I just, I wasn't happy with it. It's, like, beautiful to watch, but it's, like, all fucking fight scenes, you know? Like, there was no character development. Mm. I didn't I think they did shit. good world building compared to, like, what they've done before. I thought it was kind of lazy. And I was just, like, really fr- – me and my friend were both really frustrated by that. And it had all the money in the world and all the time in the world. And that was it. And Warrior Nun is a great show not because of the money but because of people – that are brilliant because of people that worked really really hard and because of people that cared a lot about they were what they were making and i'm so appreciative of everything that the people creating this show in front of the camera behind the camera like the set people the fucking you know janitors like the security crafty everyone involved in the show that cared a lot like i'm very grateful for all of those people because it was felt and seen yeah and i think that i'll say you know i agree to all of the the things that you said and i very much appreciate their continued engagement with fans um simon christina Sarah, there are uh, William, there are plenty of people that are still actively engaging with the fans and saying, we love this show as much as you do. And we're not giving up yet. Um, And that's what I need right now. Save warrior none, people. (laughs) Save warrior none. 
thank you to you as well for putting up with us <laughs> hopefully laughing along crying along squealing along all of the things along with us on this journey of talking about warrior nun till the next you can follow us on twitter at this lesbian shit on instagram at this lesbian ship patreon at this lesbian ship please please download our episodes rate and review us on spotify and apple podcasts and we'll see you next time bye guys bye this lesbian ship is intense is a part of the frolic podcast network find more podcasts you'll love at frolic.media slash podcasts so you said see you next time and all i could think of was in this life or the next (laughs) that's all i could think of (laughs) this is like three hours and 15 minutes